Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We have a packed, packed show today. Uh, of course, tomorrow is Truth and Reconciliation Day in Canada, so there will not be a live show. Uh, but that means we're going to pack in a ton of Jets and Bomber content today for you on the program. Uh, we're going to have Brandon Rewicki jump on. We will get ready for Bombers Riders with Ed Tate. Ken we will have his weekly visit and we'll also speak with TSN's Director of Scouting, Craig Button, on his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, on Rick Bonus taking over and what he's heard so far through training camp. Should be a great program. Uh, first things first, a big thanks to the sponsors that make our show happen each and every day. We couldn't do it without the support of Princess Auto, Cool Bet, Not Auto Corp, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Boston Pizza, of course, Canadian Club Whiskey, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, and of course, our friends at Assiniboia Downs who finished up the season in a big way yesterday with a great final night of live racing. Um, so we're packed. We're also going to hear from Rick Bonus and Mark Shifley. Both had some interesting comments heading into today's roadie for part of the squad out in Montreal. We'll get to all of that in just a few minutes. A big welcome to everyone joining us live on the YouTube channel right now. Thanks so much for being with us. And of course, to everyone listening on podcast, making Winnipeg Sports Talk a part of their day. Uh, for those of you with us on YouTube, or if you've just found us, make sure to hit that red subscribe button. We're here live every day, Monday to Friday, with the exception of holidays like tomorrow at 1 p.m. And your podcast audio available wherever you get your podcasts around 3.30 just in time for your drive home. Uh, what's up, everybody? And hey, let's get Michael Remus in here and uh, get this thing going. Remo, how are you? I'm feeling good, Huss. Uh, busy days coming up. Um, you know, we have tonight, Jets in Montreal. Tomorrow, Bomber game or SmackDown in Winnipeg if you're attending SmackDown. And Saturday is the Dale Howard Chuck unveiling statue, which we will be at. I've confirmed that with uh, with them. So Wonderful. We, we will I'm be really there. looking forward to that. And then the game against Edmonton. And then Sunday NFL. So like we got packed days of uh, sporting events coming up. So this is a um, nice time of the schedule. And oh, yeah, blue uh, baseball playoff chases. You know, got Aaron Judge going for uh, AL record home runs. Uh, exciting stuff. Hey, okay, look, I, we're not going to talk a lot of Blue Jays. Uh, because we've got so much Jets and Bombers and local stuff to talk about. But Judge did bang 61 last night mm -hmm. at the Rogers Centre. And I'm not sure what got more attention. Judge's 61st homer? No. Or the guy that just missed catching the 61st home run ball, which certainly would have been worth a pretty pretty penny uh the the yeah. look of dejection on his face after he realized that he just probably dropped a few hundred thousand dollars was uh i could feel that i could feel that i don't think like it's 61 it's not 62 like you could still probably negotiate a nice package like you could get like some autograph stuff you could get a picture <laughs> you could get to meet him 
Like that's that, and I think Dusty tweeted out, um, "Should he have like was this an easy catch or not?" He had the glove. Um, I think that's hard. It's a, that was a rocket off the bat. Um, I mean, maybe he could could have dropped down a bit lower. I think he could have lowered himself. He didn't do a good job of that, but shouldn't beat himself up. I mean, you had the had it. <laughs> the guy who's getting the press. This isn't Frankie Lasagna. Frankie Lasagna was in the powder blue. Jersey yeah. bes- beside him. This this guy. What a getting... handle! What a handle! Yeah, Frankie for... Lasagna. That that is a name. Is that, that a, like that... his real last name, Lasagna? I I I am not sure whether it's real or whether that's just his handle. It's epic. And um, well, Frankie Lasagna, like everybody else, was there. Now the Blue Jays bullpen coach mm-hmm. caught the ball, and I guess he just gave it back to them. I'm not sure what the. It's like any other ball for them, right? What's he going to do? But, but it's not. Like, what's he going to do? He's going to keep it. And I mean, no, I, I guess, just... I'm not sure what he, whether he would be allowed to do that or not. Yeah. I really don't know what the protocol is. However, I do know that his wife is a media member down in okay. Florida. I was wondering who that was. That, that saw this and basically said that, oh, he just gave it back, did he? When we haven't even seen if our house is standing right now, I will be <laughs> filing for divorce. So anyways, there was yeah. there was a lot of humor out of it. The guy, as you can see, if you're with us on YouTube, just holding his head, not being able to believe that he just missed his big chance. There was our introduction to Frankie Lasagna, and there's the Jays bullpen coach that is in deep, deep shit with his wife after maybe not trying to negotiate a little something for being the guy that caught the 61st home run. Yeah, to her credit, I will say I've been following a little bit about the hurricane situation in Florida and having visited uh, Fort Myers Beach and Naples a couple years ago, uh, scary, the devastation that's going on. So um, I don't know if she's having a sense of of humor about it or what, but um, yeah, it's a pretty serious situation over there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just quickly on that. I mean, um, you know, I have family down in Florida and have been down there well, many, many times over the course of my life. And to see what is left of mm-hmm. um, some of those areas, um, you know, I know you and uh, you know, your family spent time in the Fort Myers area. I was down in Naples just a couple of years ago. And I mean, it is just completely staggering as to what is uh, what is left and what isn't left after, um, you know, one of the most powerful hurricanes ever to hit the west coast of Florida. Um, so certainly thinking about uh, all those people and uh, the folks that are are working so hard to help save people because, I mean, we're they're, they're not out of this at all, um, you know, because of the nature of this. And I saw just on CNN earlier a picture of Florida from space two nights ago to now and it's almost like about a quarter of the state is basically off the grid um so anyways that that is something that i think everyone's thinking about and certainly for sports fans there was talk that that tampa chiefs game on sunday night football would be moved from tampa and the place it was going to be moved to was minneapolis and i will admit i uh, and I know a few friends had sort of gotten their hopes up that that game might be there and might be able to rip down for it. The NFL has confirmed, though, that today uh, they will be going ahead with the game as scheduled in Tampa as the Tampa-St. Pete area uh, was not impacted anything like Bradenton all the way through down to Fort Myers and Naples on the uh, on the Gulf side of the uh, of the tip of Florida. So, um 
uh, it'll be something I think we'll certainly be paying attention to. But, um, uh, man, just an absolutely horrible situation for so many. And this is going to be a billion, multi-billion dollar storm that um, is going to displace a ton of people and uh, have them hanging around. So consider yourself fortunate. Sometimes living in the middle of the continent, you know, it gets cold in the winter. We complain about it a lot. Uh, but um, there certainly are some benefits uh, of uh, of being where we are right now. Um, all right. Uh, just seeing in chat, a lot of people, folks, talking about, uh, oh, the hoodies. Yes, of course. Well, listen, we're not doing a show today, to our show tomorrow, um, because of True Cthulhu Reconciliation Day. But with the game tomorrow, Bombers Riders, we'll talk to Ed about what both teams are coming together to do. Some very interesting things. I think it's important to show support for this. It's very important that... You know, everyone um, gets on the side of truth and reconciliation, I think. And uh, I will give the Jets credit. I was at the game on whatever the first game was. It was a Tuesday night. And um, they were showing off the new pro shop and a couple of the, uh, the, of course, the new Wasack jerseys and hoodies. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have anything orange to begin with. Uh, so popped in and picked this up. And I know, Remus, you did as well. I can't say enough about this the like the wasack jersey logo itself is so neat and i know that uh, they, they've got a new jersey this year i'm not sure i don't believe it will be worn in the game i think that will be warm-ups like um like most of the other alternate or special jerseys that are done in the national hockey league outside the official third jersey retroverse i gotta tell you though if there was ever an exception to be made this would be the one. Um, those jerseys, the the die, the, uh, the the numbers, uh, the font, and of course this logo right now that you can see right here uh, is just done so well um, that um, they were flying off the shelves. So uh, if you're, I know there's a few people asking about it in the chat right now. If you do want to support and um, get one of these, uh, I believe it's through the team. So um, Jets Gear downtown or whatever, or at the pro shop at the game. And uh, there was very limited quantities uh, on Tuesday night that I would imagine that they've had uh, had some more. But um, uh, that was sort of the, certainly the theme today uh, on the program heading into tomorrow's Truth and Reconciliation game. And um, wait till you hear from Ed Tate a little bit later on. Um, really neat things that the Bombers have done. And I'll give the Bombers credit. They were ahead of the curve on all of this two years ago uh, I believe was the first team um, to do the orange shirts and um, to really dive in and, uh, and support um, the truth and reconciliation movement. So there's a little update on all of that. Remo, we've got lots of jet stuff to talk about, and I know we're going to get to it with Brandon Rewicki and Ken Weeb and very much looking forward to having Craig Button on the program. Oh, and by the way, Without a show tomorrow, there will be marbles at the end, so make sure you stick around for our Friday marble race on a Thursday. Uh, but more interesting stuff from Rick Bonus and Remo, uh, it was really interesting to hear the feedback of so many folks, fans, um, friends, people on social media from what we've heard from Rick Bonus coming out of the preseason game on Tuesday, as well as tomorrow. Um, you know, if anyone thought that a lot of this stuff was just sort of lip service, it's quite clear that Rick Bonus um, has come in, has the confidence of an experienced veteran NHL coach and is doing his best to really have his message sink in with his players, including some of the best players on his team, which he needs to get through to quite clearly after Tuesday's game. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday and throughout the season. Like, What kind of coach do they need? They need someone who's going to come in and hold people accountable and not be afraid to call out the veterans. And first home game, our veteran players need to lead 
They need to be better. <laughs> um, pretty amazing. And calling out the top line for their uh, shift length and their average time at five on five, much higher uh, than everyone else's. So I think there were some questions about Rick Bonus when he was hired. You know, maybe he wasn't a candidate for some other of the jobs, but he seems to be the guy that they need and they like that he's clear, he's direct, he says how it is. And uh, he talked about how he's going to do things his way. So I think Rick Bonus quickly becoming a fan favorite here, Huss. Yeah, listen, I don't want to spend too much time comparing him to the old guy because I don't know whether that's really fair to Rick. Um, but I'll just say this. I mean, for all the entertainment value we got from Paul Maurice often in the post game, um, I'm not sure how truthful often it was. Um, I don't think he ever really wanted to say many negative things. And it was at times less, and maybe this is a bit extreme, but it was almost insulting to fans and media. Some of the things that we've got, albeit often very eloquently stated, um, Rick Bonus seems to be taking this job and coming in very clearly and confidently establishing his expectations of his club. And the message isn't changing whether he's talking to his players, whether he's talking to the media, whether he's talking to the fans, because it is what it is. And let's get to the why not question of the day right off the bat. Um, early on in training camp, how are you feeling about Rick Bonus's message and how it is being delivered to the players, but also the people that support this hockey club. Many of you who are with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Give us your thoughts on the message from Rick Bonus, and we'll hear a few more of those clips coming up in just a second. Hit us up in the comments here on YouTube. Of course, if you're with us live in the chat, let us know on that. Uh, but we always do love if you can after the show, pop into the comments and leave that there. It's a uh, a great reference and certainly gets a lot of conversation for some people that might not be joining us live here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So let's play a few of these, Remo, because I do want to talk about it with Brandon Rewicki and Ken Weave a little bit later on. Um, but And we're going to hear from Mark Shifley, who, of course, was asked about some of Bonus's comments and uh, everything going on around the club as he's such an important player. But uh, let's start off with number eight, if you can get that one ready. Um, is Bonus after two, uh, two skates yesterday with the two groups, uh, I think there was a lot of still questions about, you know, what he had to say after the exhibition game on Tuesday night. And uh, Rick Bonus uh, expanded a little bit on what he means when he said, we've got a lot of work to do. A lot of work means a lot of detail. We just got to get a little more details on what we're doing out there and with and without the puck, uh, things like that. So uh, there's, we're just going to keep addressing areas every day. We haven't covered everything. We did, we finally we got to rush coverage today. There's things we haven't covered, and we haven't done six on five or five on six or four on four or three on three. We haven't spent a lot of time on our specialty team. So when I say we have a lot of work to do. It's more in regards to that. There's things we have to cover, and there's things that we're doing that we have to improve on. Now, one of the other things that it was quite clear that Rick Bonus, uh, as part of the work to do outside of the X's and O's, um, is stomping out bad habits that may have developed over last season and beyond. Um, here is Rick Bonus on uh, how to stomp out those bad habits. It's just, you know, the coach being very clear with his messaging and the players buying in and it's uh 
listen, it's pro sports, man. It's not, it's not, every game's not a Picasso. It's not in any sport. So uh, you, you, when you see things you don't like, you address them and, um, and you stay on top of them so that the messaging from the, the coaching staff, regardless of the sport or the team, has to be clear and consistent, and you need to buy in from your players. I got to say, I don't care what business you're in, um, clear, direct, no BS communication between bosses and employees, teachers and students, parents and kids uh, is is the way to go. And I, I have just loved Rick Bonus's direct approach when addressing many of the things that he believes needs to change and get better with this hockey club. Uh, of course, shift lengths was the big talk after the game on Tuesday night. And Rick Bonus directly and maybe subtly as well made a pretty clear point that he needs his uh, top players um, to keep those shifts shorter. And that is a goal of his. Uh, here's a little bit more from after yesterday's training camp sessions on the shift links. It's also the flow of the game. Sometimes you can't get off, but all your high end players, like we had four power plays last night, their shift lanes going to be higher than the guys who don't play penalty kill. It's just the reality of it. So uh, I, I'm referring more to five on five. So again, if you have four power plays and your top guys are out there for a minute and a half of it, it's kind of just kind of just, you know, it just kind of, it just makes it a little more complicated. So it's important that we, we clarify with our players 55s, or not 55, but uh, five on five, I should have said. And um, yeah, so that's more of that. So again, Every team I've been on, the top end players, their shift lengths are longer if there are a lot of power plays. If there's no, if there's not a lot of power plays, then you have a whole other discussion. But when you have four power plays like we did last night, and you have a couple that aren't great, and you're out there a minute and a half, it's kind of just kind of inflates the uh, the shift length. That's all. All right, so there's Rick Bonus on uh, shift lengths. And speaking of 55, we will hear from Mark Shifley in just a second on some of these comments as well. Two more that I want to get to before we hear from Mark Shifley. And it, it, it was sort of about, you know, maybe much of the reaction of just how honest Rick Bonus was when speaking about the game on Tuesday. And he uh, addressed his addressing players through the media. Hear anything from me that I haven't said to the players. Okay. So I talk to the players about it between periods, and I talk to them on the bench. Shorten it up, shorten it up, shorten it up. So the, the, the players will always hear it first from me. Mm -hmm. They're never going to hear anything first from you guys. Yeah. About that yesterday. Um, you know, I can understand that if, you know, the coach is not communicating with his team, and then they turn on the post-game show or pick up the paper the next day, and they're getting absolutely ripped, and they haven't heard it from the coach that probably sets a pretty bad precedent. Um, but if you're being honest and calling it the way it is, and you've told the players exactly what you're feeling, and then when you're asked about it, you give honest answers, I don't know how anyone could have a problem with that. Um, but Rick Bonus was also asked, and this is something that we hadn't heard very much, and again, I don't want to spend too much time comparing it to old regimes, uh, but there wasn't a lot of honest speak about when the team wasn't good, I just, <laughs> I just saw whoever it was that put in, in the chat. I liked our game. That was a good one. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but here's, here's bonus on, uh, on addressing negatives in the media. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. The players have heard it first. 
we talk about those things. If you're watching the game, some of those things should be very evident to you, right? So what am, what am I going to do? Pretend it's not happening? I'm going to tell you what I see happening, but the players will hear it first. I'm not going to pretend it's not going on. If when I know what's going on, it'll, but again, the most important thing, it'll be addressed with the players first. And if you're watching the games, you guys got to come to your own conclusions. I mean, you're gonna, some nights you're going to disagree with me. And that's fine too. All right, there is Rick Bonus, and I just got to say, it is so refreshing to hear that. And um, you know, as I said, you said you may disagree with some of the things that he said, but um, it is a refreshing and it's a new approach, one that we have not had here in Winnipeg in a long time. Now, listen, before we get to Brandon Rewicki, let's hear from Mark Shifley because he spoke yesterday. Uh, Rima, we'll start right at the top with number one. Um, Mark was asked about Rick Bonus's comments on shift length coming out of Tuesday night's game. Yeah, I think, you know, it's the first preseason game. Um, you know, guys are getting their feet under them. You know, he had he had the conversations with us uh, in between the periods about about that stuff. And, you know, I thought we did a pretty good job in the third period at, you know, being more direct. And you know, I think that comes with just getting back into the swing of things. Um, you know, getting back to, to playing hockey again and playing in a real game. So um, you know, I think that's always a, a process as, uh, as training camp goes on. All right, so uh, there's a little bit of Mark Shifley's reaction to what we and they heard after the game. Um, he also talked about Rick Bonus being direct uh, to them rather than just doing it through the media but not having a different message there. Well, I don't think he's sending a message through you guys. I don't think we, we don't spend much time looking at you, what your comments well, are. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, you, know, you know, Bones has been an awesome communicator, and I think that's something that you know, we all really respect from him is, you know, everything comes from him. Everything comes from his mouth. He's talking to us each and every day about, about, uh, you know, everything he wants to see and what he wants to change and what he wants to, to focus on each and every day. And that's, that, that's a huge positive. All right. So there's uh, Mark Shifley. Uh, just here's one more on the same topic, I guess. Number three, Rumu, if you can, um, just speak about, spoke about the communication that they're getting right now, um, as well as the communication honestly talking about what's happening with this team to the fans through the media yeah i think you know we we hear it all from him so we, we know we you know we assume everything he talks about with you guys we've already we've already talked about you know once twice three times you know before he talks to you guys about it so you know he's a he's a great communicator like i said before he's you know, he's really upfront and honest and, and tells, tells you what he's, what's on his mind. He wants you to tell, tell him what's on your mind as well. So, um, you know, that's a huge, that's something I, I really, I really appreciate and something that's, you know, going to be very different um, for sure. But, um, you know, something everything, I think everyone, everyone likes. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's all a process. We're all getting to know each other. We're all getting to know each other's tendencies. And, um, you know, it's been a good start. All right. One more quick one before we bring Brandon in. Um, Shifley did talk about, um, you know, he didn't basically own it. And you've probably seen this clip, maybe not heard it, but potentially seen it on social media saying that he has been a guy who has extended his shifts in the past. I'm definitely a guy that extends a little bit. Um, you know, being a, being a higher end player, being in the top six, I think it comes, comes with the territory, but it's something that we all have to work on. And we all have to, you know, the older guys got to lead the, the, the veterans have to lead in that sense. And, and, you know, that's something that I think all of us have to take pride in. Speaking about all right, so there's Mark Scheifele. We're going to talk about these comments with Ken and Brandon coming up right away just before we bring Brandon Rowicki in. A big thanks to our newest sponsor, our friends over at Consolidated Supply, the irrigation and artificial turf experts. 
that have been working in the golf industry for decades here in Manitoba. And in addition to getting that beautiful putting green in your backyard or getting you DIY irrigation solutions uh, to make your lawn or property look as good as possible, uh, they're also the club car dealer for Manitoba. If you've got golf cart needs, want to get one tricked out, or a vehicle maybe for industrial use that has two, four, six passengers, Joe and the guys, Gino, can get you hooked up. And, of course, you've also got amazing options for that beautiful dream backyard that so many people have been working on over the last couple of years. Hot tubs right now. Spice will get you a great deal on those. And outdoor kitchens, high-end barbecues and more. They've got it all at Consolidated Supply. Pop down and see them at 1395 Niagara Road online at cte.ca or give them a call at 470-3832. Um, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market continue to be great supporters of ours <clears throat> and helping Winnipeggers and Manitobans with great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries at all seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores. Back to School is here. You can stop by any Vita Health store for great school-friendly snacks and lunch items, as well as great immunity products like vitamin C and D, and delicious lunch options like Vita Market salad, soup, sandwiches, and more at their grab-and-go deli. Pop down to Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and shop at their fully shoppable website online at myvita.ca. And I got to tell you, I'll have more details coming up. I had a great call with uh, the folks at Wallace & Wallace today who've been very busy doing in-garage door installs, but also garage door repair right now. I mean, Michael Remus got a garage door. We've got a couple folks in the chat that have said they've had a great experience. If you're having an issue with your garage door, not necessarily looking for a new one, the experts at Wallace & Wallace can help you do that. And of course, working with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world, if you are needing a new one, you can get one delivered and installed in about four weeks right now, just before the snow flies Find out more at wallacedoors.com. By the way, a new garage door can add like 4% to the value of your home as well. Uh, they got 161 styles to choose from. Definitely one that's right for your house. Give them a buzz or pop down and visit them in person at their showroom on Lawson Road. All right, let's get to Brandon as we continue this packed edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Rewiki, what's going on? How, uh, how are you and what did you think of the home preseason opener for the Winnipeg Jets? and the home preseason first media availability for Rick Bonus after we heard a game, after we saw watched a game. You know, it's it's funny because there was a shift early on in the game, and it was, of course, with the Jets' top line on the ice, and there was a chance to get off early, and there, it was a bit of a lazy defensive play by all three of them, and I was like, should I hammer on them for this? Or is it like, meh, it's the first preseason. I was kind of like, you know, it's the first preseason game. Let's just let it go. No big deal. And then Bones comes in after the game, guns are blazing, and says, uh-uh, that's not going to fly here anymore. And now that he's, you know, basically given everyone carte blanche to go after them, now I think I can go after everybody as well since he gave the okay there. Um, but, I mean, talk about setting the tone, right? Like, that's, that's what you got to do as a head coach. And I, I was talking with my brother about this, and he was – Kind of had a little bit of concerns, like uh, are you are you worried about maybe coming out of the gates too hot on this, or you know maybe alienating some of your players? But I'm like, mm-hmm. set the tone, do it early, do it in preseason game number two as opposed to regular season game number one. And I, I don't think he, I don't think he's overly 
infuriated about this, but it's like, if we can set the tone and do it late September, let's do it now. And then it's not an issue come mid-October, late October, et cetera, et cetera. I find it so refreshing and very necessary. I mean, I don't know how many times in our conversations towards the end of last season where we talked about a lack of perceived accountability within the club for what had been going on. And, you know, a lot of the times, and I don't want to say Maurice was always patronizing us or the media and the fans through them, but very rarely would give an honest assessment to things that, as Rick Bonus just said in that clip, should be glaringly obvious to anybody watching the hockey game. Now, I love the way that, you know, Rick has basically said quite clearly that they're not going to find out anything first from listening to you guys. Everything that has been discussed before then, um, you know, has been addressed with the team. Um, but I can't think of a team or a group that needs this more than the Winnipeg Jets, considering there hasn't been a lot of significant changes within the personnel. And they're counting on Rick Bonus to be the difference, to be the guy that, you know, gets them to play in a different way. Um, if you're not coming right out of the gate, very clearly saying what you're demanding from the club and then focusing on when things don't go right and pointing that out, what are we doing? Yeah, well, and the thing too is, it's it's not like he's asking for miracles out there. It's just don't, don't be out for a minute plus. Come to the bench in forty five seconds. Like, what are we? <laughs> this isn't this isn't like mighty mites hockey here. These are paid professionals. I think they can grasp the concept of not overextending yourself and and trying to go out there and you know maybe in a way selfishly chase some offense. Right? They'll say I'm doing it for the team, but in a way you're you're chasing offense if your shift length is going over. 55, 60, 65 seconds, everything like that. So, I, I look, I don't think it's a big deal really at all. He, he's not asking for a whole lot, but it's just a tone setter. And that, look, you might have skated away from criticism in the past at some of these minor things, but every little bit counts. And if we can get 1% better in, in this area and this area and this area, that, that's that's going to add up by the end of the year. And and there's, there's no doubt right now Rick Bonus is saying all the right things, right? Like, he's... He's he's been he's been the star performer so far during trading camp, and the the Jets kind of need him to be because they've put the most responsibility on him in as opposed to anybody else in the whole organization. Well, and it was funny, you know, to hear him talk about the veterans and the ve- the quote the veterans can't be the problem. Um, and I listen, I don't know whether you got as much of a chuckle as I did about the re- reference of the fifty five second shift. Oh yeah, beautiful, <laughs> like, beautiful. Was, um. But listen, all of those things need to be done because as much as we can talk about, oh, it'd be great to have uh, Saku Menelainen's having a great camp and maybe he'll be on the fourth line. I mean, this the change of this hockey club is going to start at the top. And that is why that message about the veterans not only can't be the problem, but needing to be the leaders of doing the right things needs to be the message coming right out of the gate. And when the first game at home is what we saw on Thursday, which it's not like the game was terrible, but I mean, things that he's focusing on that basically need to be afterthoughts, like things that just happen automatically. I'm with you. I mean, to rip the Band-Aid off, call it out as he sees it to the players and to everybody else watching, so there's absolutely nothing left for confusion. Um, Listen, it's a very nice change around here, I'll say that, and... I'm not sure you can get the results that you that he needs to get by doing it any other way. No, and if if I'm being totally frank, I I wish he was a little more hard on them. 
know, like speaking after the game. Like I thought he took it pretty easy. There was there was an instance where, and and how many freaking times did we see this last year? But three forwards inside the defensive zone, up near the blue line, getting ready to go on an odd man rush the other way. Oh wait, where's the puck? Yeah, it's halfway inside our end, and then before you know it, ends up at the back of your net because it's one on one with the goaltender. And there wasn't really mention of that either. Like for for me, it's just we we've seen. We've seen enough miscues. I mean, name your place on the ice over these last few seasons that if he wants to go ahead and rip these guys and, and do it in preseason, win or lose, be my guess, because this team needs a lot more of that. I think this is just kind of scratching the surface. This, I mean, again, this is kind of more of a minor thing. It's a details thing as opposed to something that's more structural or psychological with the club. But it's it's just one of these... Epset needs to take place early on if this same group of players wants to have any hope of going from easy to play against to at least mildly difficult to play against. I think we take that as a bit of a step up early on in the season. Well, you're you're exactly right. And, you know, and I know there's been, you know, we heard from Mark yesterday and it was quite clear that he was not just singling out Mark, but, you know, that entire line that needs to be buying into the program and maybe, you know, erasing some of the bad habits that obviously crept up and were a big part of the last bit. But I focused on Shifley because I'm pretty sure that Rick Bonus realizes that if they're going to take this step forward, they're going to be a playoff team. If they're going to do all of the things that he hopes to get out of a talented roster, it really does start with the guy in the middle of your number one line that is, can be, and I've said this over and over again, there's no one guy that can affect change more with this Winnipeg Jets than getting the best out of Mark Shifley. Um, and it's pretty clear, I think, that Rick Bonus is feeling that exact same way, and it's been quite apparent with what he said to us after saying it to Mark first that that's the way he's going about his business. Well, because the previous regimes, I think both could have held Mark Shifley a lot more accountable for his play on the, I mean, there was what one benching in two years, something along those lines when the the play and, and the competitiveness on the ice was, was nowhere near the level it needed to be. And I, I would say the same applies for Kyle Connor too. I think, I think Kyle Connor skates away from a lot of criticism here because, because you see him basically score at a 50 goal pace, hundred point pace last year. He is every bit as culpable as, as Mark Shifley defensively. Um, he doesn't play center. So maybe it's not as, as noticeable and, and isn't as as big of a deal as, as what Shifley does. But I think he needs to be lumped into the same conversation. But yeah, like I, I think too many times Winnipeg star players over the past few years were just kind of given leeway to do whatever the hell they wanted. And then that's that's how you get a fractured locker room, right? That's that's how you get a club that tries to overthrow the coaching staff and demand accountability last year because Certain players are treated differently, and, and certain players get get different recognition. Don't lose ice time. All that. I I 100 think that's changing, and and quite clearly, Rick Bonus has stated that day one here. It's 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 going to be different now moving forward. And it's funny too because I mean, look at his age. You think Rick Bonus has any any number twos to to give at, at this point? Like he he knows this is probably his last head coaching gig. I don't know how many more years he he plans on. On coaching in the NHL here, but I, I imagine he's going to do things his way because he's not going to get another chance at doing that. And I, I think that specifically is exactly what this team needs at, at this point in time. There might be better coaches out there that, that probably are, but Rick Bonus might ironically be best suited for this team right now 
given his age and then given where the team is at right now. No, I've, I've loved it. Uh, heading into this Montreal game tonight, I know, I mean, a lot of the talk has been about the guy running the show, how things are different, what we've seen so far. But as far as what's happened on the ice, been a lot of talk about Menelainen, who's going to get his third preseason game. Certainly he's earned a spot. Um, you know, who stood out to you so far? I mean, who's uh, who's been uh, getting some run on skates and plates when you're talking about the guys outside of the usual suspects that we've been talking about for years here? Yeah, well, when you when you have to research how to pronounce a guy's name, that usually means he's he's doing something right, right? So I, it is Saku Menelainen. I, I think he's been at least out of the bottom six competitors by far the most noteworthy, right? I mean, he's he's jumped off the page pretty significantly here. And to be honest, I'd be kind of surprised if he keeps his level of play up. I I, I don't see why he isn't one of the twelve best forwards on this team. Um, that's probably his ceiling, but I think he's acquitted himself extremely well. Outside of him, i got to be honest, I haven't been very impressed with a lot of the players on this team. You know, and again, it's it's so early, so it's so... I, I always hesitate to to jump into criticism two games in for a lot of these guys their first game in because a lot of them haven't played game speed hockey for for months and months, but specifically the youngsters on the back end, it's... Uh, I mean, maybe maybe Sandberg has been the best, but that's been more so he's screwed up the least. But even then, he had a bit... You know what I mean? Like, none of them have really jumped out and grabbed it just yet. And that's why that that's where the intrigue comes to me in this game, is that it's basically, I think, Rick Bonus looking at his young blue liners and saying, who wants it? <laughs> right? Like, who yeah. wants the job? Because it's out there for you, and nobody's taking it right now. If anything, you're giving me more reason not to put you in the lineup. I would love to see multiple youngsters on the back end here step up and say you know what this is my job i'm going to take it and i'm not going anywhere no it's a great point yeah just i mean we got kind of got into those clips but for the game against montreal heading to uh heading to uh to quebec Vili hanala dylan sandberg logan stanley johnny kovacevic kyle capobianco all in the lineup along with nate schmidt and uh i i am right there with you i think this game is going to be um, well, it's pivotal for all of those players to show that they can step up and, you know, and, and do the things that they're being asked, handle NHL competition, uh, because certainly the first game for Logan Stanley, not good. And despite Billy Hanley getting on the score sheet with a goal, um, as nice as that was for him to, you know, get a point and pop one in, there were some issues earlier in the game, turnovers, giving up two-on-ones that... Um, probably we're not earning a lot of confidence of the coaching staff. And uh, I'm with you, Jabran. And that by far, I think, is the focus for me tonight when I'm watching this game from Montreal. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we'll see. I, again, it was the first game for a lot of these kids. I, I'm more intrigued to see what they do with more opportunity tonight. But I, in preseason, I always look for for pop plays. Not necessarily like structure, system, all whatever. Half these guys aren't going to be anywhere near the team. But it's more so who who just stands out. Like when you're watching the game, who jumps out at you in terms of a noticeable play? And I, I don't think any of them did, to be honest. So that that's something that I'm I'm intrigued to see who grabs and, and steps up and, and takes this opportunity here. And on top of that, too, it we, we were delayed with a little bit of momentum. But the Lambert hype train is going to get back into full effect. Don't you worry. I'm really excited to see what the kid's going to do tonight. Um, bit of an injury bug, but I just, again, got a feeling, man. I, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about him Friday morning on, on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So well, let's see what I, I certainly hope that he plays well enough to stay, you know, maybe around for a little bit longer. And, and 
Listen, I'm now in on Brad Lambert with the Moose. I want to see him. I want to be able to go to watch him play. I think the AHL competition will be good for him, and I think there's an opportunity to earn that spot and be that much closer to the National Hockey League. B, I know you got to run. Give a quick plug for uh, what you got coming up at Skates and Plates. Folks, wherever you're getting the Winnipeg Sports Talk podcast, make sure you're subscribing to S&P. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, coming out tomorrow. Been battling the flu this week, so it's the first episode of the week, so just kind of a breakdown of the first few training camp days. Uh, Thursday night's preseason game, obviously. And also, I don't know if you saw this, but Dom Lachishan of The Athletic is uh, not too optimistic about the Winnipeg Jets' chances. This He's, a hater. He's a hater. He's a, he's a hater. Some might say a realist. Others in Winnipeg might say a hater. Either way, we'll look into it, see if uh, he's going to eat his words in a couple of months. I, I hope it ends up being a hater and not yeah. being a realist. But, um, yeah, shall we say... Um, Yes, well, Dom has takes. We'll be discussing that as well. I'll look forward to get your commentary on that. Uh, Brandon, thanks for doing this, man. Have a great one. You too, man. Talk soon. There's Brandon Rewicki, our pal and the uh, host of Skates and Plates, uh, which you can get, as I mentioned, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, not Autocorp. Question of the day. Your thoughts in the comments on what you've heard from Rick Bonus so far and his very direct approach to dealing with his team and the fan base. Looking forward to hearing you on that. And of course, as far as not Autocorp goes, busy, busy right now and getting a lot of great new stock in as well. If you are thinking about a new vehicle or maybe considering upgrading your current vehicle before you do anything, folks, head on down and talk to our friends and our longtime sponsors at not Autocorp. Trevor's got an amazing staff there and my buddy Andre Clark, former Bison and CFL, and now the sales manager there, in the gang can certainly help you get into the car of your dreams. Why not get into the car of your dreams, frankly, at a great price with the help of the Not Team? Fill you in on the electric vehicle possibilities as well, and ask them if you are thinking about Teslas, about their Tesla Experience program. Even putting more Manitobans into Teslas and electric vehicles than anybody for a number of years here and can help you with all the important information on if you are going to make a transition like that. Looking forward to getting out. Not, I'm going to do a show at Not in the next couple of weeks as well. Hang out with the fellas. Looking forward to that. Not Autocorp is at Waverly and McGilvery, and you can check them out online as well as the Winnipeg Car, uh, the, um, Winnipeg Car Lab, all there at Not.ca. Uh, well... Royal Sports, it's the start of the hockey season, and Royal is busy, busy right now. They just finished their final tent sale of the year, and that means it is hockey season. And uh, anyone that's competing in the sport knows that Royal Sports is your one-stop shop for all things hockey, whether you're a goalie, whether you're a skater, whether you're a coach, or whether you just need to get some skates expertly sharpened. Royal has it all. And in addition to being the hockey superstore, as we get into the next season, NFL's back. They've got the best NFL merchandise in town. Blue Jays in Major League Baseball. Canada soccer with the World Cup just around the corner. And, of course, the biggest selection of Winnipeg Jets merchandise and Bomber merchandise together anywhere in town. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina, make sure you're giving them a follow for their latest merchandise drops and sale information. Um, hey Remus, what uh, what show number is this for us? Three ninety three. Okay, I don't I don't have that in front of me right now. 
This is three ninety five. So, oh geez, you know, so three ninety six is going to be Monday. Seven, eight, nine. Maybe next Friday for the four hundredth show, we should do the suit show. We owe the people the suit show. Sorry, I keep me. I have myself muted. Um, yeah, this is three ninety five. So yeah, for I mean, we do owe a suit show. Uh, people were demanding it after we had a big, big showing last week. Well, but, uh, I'll tell you what, crazy. yeah, because we've had some big ones. You guys have been coming through with the likes. By the way, hit that like, hit the thumbs up button, and make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already. Maybe we'll do a challenge next week, but I'm thinking uh, that maybe the suit show will be for 400, our 400th episode mm -hmm. as Winnipeg Sports Talk, which I believe, if that times out, will be next Friday. So we'll confirm that next, but the bottom line is we're good to go because we went down to F Apparel and got – beautiful new custom suits from Andrew and his great staff. And guys, everyone needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And if you haven't already, head on down and check out everything that F Apparel has to offer. Custom suits beginning at just $400. And I have to tell you, going through the entire process, I mean, this is not, as you can tell, I'm more of a hoodie guy than a suit guy. I wasn't say I was intimidated at all, but I mean, Andrew and the staff were so awesome. Asked me, you know, what sort of style you wanted, uh, colors, fabrics, and then p basically got sized up, picked out a couple other things to go with it. And uh, a few weeks later, I've got it ready. So we are locked and loaded for our, our suit day. We'll confirm that next week, but I'm thinking episode 400 will be that day coming up next week. You gentlemen, if you do need to head on down 190 Smith Street downtown or check them out online with everything they've got going at F Apparel, it's ephapparel.com. Great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, hey, just with the season coming to an end, shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend. I know the Zeke, the big tournament to finish up the season is coming up on Saturday. That should be phenomenal. And uh, they're working hard. Uh, Craig and his incredible staff on the new green structure for the 7th and 15th holes. Folks, if you're looking for an amazing long-term home for you and your family at one of Winnipeg's top private courses, Breezy is the spot. Talk to our friend Corey Johnson on their waiting list for next year. And you can check out everything Breezy has to offer over at breezybend.ca. All right, more Jets talk coming up. Can we even just a few minutes? And Craig Button as well from TSN. Really looking forward to that. But right now, let's head out to IG Field in the Bob Irving Media Center up in the press box for Ed Tate from bluebombers.com to tee up tomorrow's Bombers Riders matchup at IG Field. Eddie, what's going on? How are you? Fantastic. How are you, man? Uh, all good. Really looking forward to the game tomorrow night. I mean, it's always fun when uh, we get a Bomber Rider home game. And, uh, well, considering how much fun the Banjo Bowl was, I'm sure Bomber fans are hoping this one they can compare. Very different, though. But listen, before we get into it, um, you know, we often joke about the great rivalry between the two teams. Uh, we talk about how there's nothing that the Riders or Bombers like to do more than beat each other. Uh, but tomorrow, a special day in the country, Truth and Reconciliation Day. The team's coming together and working together for the Orange Shirt cause. Uh, fill us in a little bit on, on uh, what will be happening before the game as part of the Truth and Reconciliation game, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, it's a special day, a special night. Uh, the Bombers did this a couple of years ago with the uh, Orange Shirt Day, and so that both the Bombers and Riders will wear orange jerseys in the uh, the pregame warm-up, and then they'll be auctioned off uh, after the game with the money going to the Winnipeg Aboriginal Sport Achievement Center. Uh, the Bombers are going to wear that the helmet with the 
the star logo on the side inside the W that looks so cool. And um, I got a sneak peek at the orange jersey yesterday. Um, it's, I believe it's written in Cree, uh, where the Blue Bombers usually is, is written on the jersey. And the translation, it's quite a lot of letters, is the ones who are blue in the sky, which is really kind of cool. There's no direct trans, uh, translation for bombers, I'm told. So yeah, it, 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 the translation of the, the words on the jersey are the ones who are blue in the sky. It's kind of cool. There's going to be you know, lots of stuff uh, throughout the game, um, you know, including the, both teams wearing the orange jersey. The, the national anthem will be sung by you know, Jibwe. Um, there's going to be powwow dancers and singers and drummers. It's, it's going to be kind of cool. Like it was the, the first time we did it. Well, that was a really special night and the bombers were way out ahead of, uh, I think most other teams of, um, of, you know, supporting this cause. And obviously with the day being the uh, day off in Canada and the day of truth and reconciliation, a uh, very important part of tomorrow night's festivities. That being said, uh, they're going to butt some heads on the uh, gridiron and, uh, no Jackson Jeffcoat. We got the, uh, I'm not sure whether we were expecting many other changes, but um, man, we saw how impactful his loss was in the game against Hamilton, Ed, and uh, there'll be no Jackson Jeffcoat for the team this year. How does that affect the defensive line? Who's got to step up in his place? Well, it does affect the defensive line because him and Willie are such a crazy uh, duo off the edge, right? You can't double one side because the other guy's going to eat you alive. So it's going to be Cedric Wilcox the second, and this will be his third start of the year. A guy that uh, was in training camp last year uh, got cut, but they liked him and re-signed him in December. He's back. He's been on the around the team all year. They like him. I mean, he's not uh, he's not at Jackson Jeffcoat's level yet, but uh, he's going to be in there to, to replace. And that's the only significant change, or the only change to the depth chart. You know, all week during practice. Uh, except for yesterday's close to the media practice. We saw Jeff Gray taking snaps at left tackle for Stanley Bryant, but but Stanley looks like he's going to be good to go. He's listed on the depth chart, so that's a, a comfort, I'm sure, for Zach Claros to know that his blind side is protected by one of the best to ever do it. Um, yeah, so the only change uh, of note is uh, Jeff Cote out and Cedric Wilcox the second in. You know, that was, I, I think, you know, many of us, we were talking with Ted Wyman yesterday on the program looking ahead, and he had said, you know, we really don't know Stanley Bryant's status for the game because he hadn't practiced all week. Um, he is as true of an Ironman as there is in professional football. I mean, uh, you know, his streak was ended because the Bombers clinched first place so early and they figured they'd give him a day off. But really, since he came here, I often say that Andrew Harris was the most impactful free agent signing maybe in CFL history. Um, under the radar, Stanley Bryant's arrival in Winnipeg, um, big picture, looking over his time here, um, right there with Andrew Harris's. Oh, absolutely. If you go back to that time, too, and, and Bomber fans have, you know, I don't want to have them relive the horror of that time. But before Stanley got the, got here, the, the offensive line was a revolving door, right? And that's part of why the soul was the quarterback position, because the quarterbacks are getting the snot kicked out of them every week. Stanley helped uh, solidify that. And, you know, and, and it has been fairly stable ever since. You know, guys have left uh, in free agency or retired, like Matthias Gosen and Suk Chung, uh, Drew Desjardins to the NFL. But it's been, you know, Hardrick, Jamarcus Hardrick and Stanley at the tackles for a long time. Uh, uh, 
uh, Patrick Newfeld at guard, Jeff Gray at guard, you know, Michael Couture at center, and he's been out, but you know, he's back now, and Chris Kolonkowski's done a nice job. It's been really stable there, but you're right. Um, if you go back to, to what Stanley meant, and to get a, a left tackle of that caliber, the guy's going to the Hall of Fame. He'll be on the ring of honor here one day because um, he's one of the greatest to ever do it. And when you get an endorsement from a guy like Walby, who Chris Walby says he's one of the best to do it, and I, in my opinion, Chris Walby's the best offensive tackle I've ever seen in this league. So when old number 63 uh, you know, sends you a salute, then I think you, it's pretty select company. Well, Zach Caleros will be smiling that he'll have his uh, blind side taken care of with Stanley Bryant back in. Um, overall, Ed, I, you know, this is the first time we've spoke after like really a legitimate loss. I mean, the Montreal game, all the conversation was on how the heck did that happen? They put themselves in a position to win and talked about the kick. Mark Leggy has bounced back very well. Um, how different or was different practice different at all? They did have the bye week to sort of think about it. Um, coming back from the first, you know, real loss that they've taken all year, and it was a convincing one at the hands of Hamilton. Uh, do you see anything different in the maybe the vibe around practice this week, uh, considering uh, the last time they were out? What happened? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say so much the vibe, and I don't think these guys are just sort of, uh, you know, what kind of waving their hand at it and saying, "Oh, that was just a one-off. Don't worry about it. We'll get it back." I think there was some legitimate concern about what happened. In Hamilton, I mean, Dane Evans had five touchdown passes, and they went up and down the field on the Bombers' defense like, you know, they were playing a JV team. So, um, at practice this week, I think the the defense has been amped up a little bit more. Uh, one thing I've noticed, and I haven't had a chance to really ask anybody why, but they, at the end of a, a rep, they're running to the closest uh, goal line and back. It's almost like a conditioning thing for them to get you know, back after the bye week, they've been angry, you know, uh, Brandon Alexander said they got punched in the mouth by Hamilton. Uh, Richie Hall used the same sort of analogy and look, we know how uh, macho this game is. And when you're admitting that you get punched in the mouth, that's uh, saying something. So I think we're going to see if they can get up off the mat and, and start throwing some punches back again, because, um, that game in Hamilton was not, uh, up to par at all for this defense. You know, they, uh, it was the worst point, uh, worst differential in points since a 2019 loss to Hamilton, uh, which was 20 points. And I don't know, they again, they just got kind of uh, pushed all over the field. And I, I don't think they were too happy about it. Um, there were some changes in the secondary, but it, they're going to go with the same crew again. And we'll see if they can tighten up because the thing, the thing that I would be concerned about is that Hamilton game could almost become the blueprint for other teams to, to copy and say, well, this is how Hamilton beat them and put up this many points. Let's just do the same thing. Well, I mean, fo professional football, more than anything, is a copycat league. And um, listen, th there's eight other teams or seven other teams in the Canadian Football League that would love to duplicate what Hamilton did to Winnipeg because no one's been doing it for the better part of the last three years. You mentioned Brandon Alexander. You know, poor B.A. had been on the field watching all these wins, finally gets in for a game, and uh, it did not go well. How's he, how's he feeling coming out of that first game? And um, I imagine he'll be much more comfortable and probably more game-ready. Not that, that I'm, believe me, I'm not suggesting at all that this was Brandon Alexander coming in, but it was thought to be such a big boost for the defense to get him in, and obviously we didn't see the results on the field in, uh, in the hammer. Yeah, he uh, spoke this week about, uh, the communication being a little bit lax in the secondary in, in particular. And that's, 
that's natural when you've got Evan Holman there and Jamal Parker in there, two new guys, because Mario Houston is out. Nick Taylor is probably gone for the season. So, uh, you know, that, that back end is all so much about communication. And when you don't have it, it's uh, it can get scary. I, I thought Alexander played well. I, you know, he's expecting to play better with every snap, with every game. Um, but it's still going to be the same crew. You know, you're going to have Winston Rose and Derek Nick, Dietrich Nichols on one side and then Holm and Parker on the other. And I, I expect that, you know, quarterbacks are still going to try to attack the one side with Holm and Parker on it until they can prove uh, that they're, you know, they can be stout over there. The thing that was, again, would worry me about what happened in Hamilton was it wasn't just the one side that were, they were getting picked on. In fact, the one touchdown that was over home, he was right there in position to, to make the play. It was just a perfect throw. But, you know, there was a touchdown over Winston Rose. There was a touchdown over Dietrich Nichols. So uh, it's an area they've got to clean up. And then they've got to get a, figure out a way to get more pressure on the quarterback right away because – the ball came out of Dane Evans's hand so fast um, because he was just so comfortable back there. You got to credit what the Ticats did. But again, as you mentioned, copycat league. And if you don't come up with a counter and start flashing it this week, then teams are going to continue to try to do the same thing over and over again against your defense. Um, Eddie, back at it, the Bombers have still put themselves in a great position. I mean, a clear path to a one home game to make it to Regina and the Great Cup. Uh, but the division got pretty interesting last week with that Calgary-BC game and Calgary finally getting a win against a team with a winning record. What do you make of the uh, battle for second right now? Yeah, it's really, uh, it's it's been juicy all year, but you're right, Huss, it's gotten even more. I mean, we're into September, late September now, so the, you know, the, the consequences of wins and losses seem that much more magnified. You know, Vernon Adams, uh, BC made that trade for Vernon Adams and is, was hoping that he could come in and, and you know, provide a spark for that offense. They've got so many weapons around them since, but without Nathan work, they don't look the same. And Vernon Adams is still struggling to find some kind of continuity with his receiving core. Now, Brian Burnham out for six weeks, probably with a broken hand. So that really affects them. The team that scares me the most is, is Calgary. I mean, they've got uh, a really, really good quarterback tandem for now. I know there's lots of rumors about Bo Levi Mitchell and whether he would get traded, but because they just, extended uh, Jake Mayer or gave him a new contract. They've got a lot of weapons. Their secondary is going, went through already what Winnipeg secondary is going through. Now they've kind of solidified their back end. They're a scary, good football team. And then uh, you mentioned about Saskatchewan, the opponent tomorrow night, they're six and eight. They're kind of in a tailspin, but there's still a, an opportunity for them. If they can kind of rate the ship to make some noise through the East division as a, as a possible crossover team. So, it's never boring in the West, but it's uh, it's pretty juicy right now. You can't even write off Evanson because in their last game, they look pretty good too, and uh, they still have a mathematical chance. So the next few weeks are interesting because it also is the leading up to the CFL trade deadline, and you can see some movement this year. Normally, it's pretty quiet in early October around the deadline. Well, it brings us back to the game uh, tomorrow night because, you know, as comfortable as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are in the standings, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are far from that. Um, you know, they get a big boost back in both their receiving core and their offensive line. Um, I imagine this will be a desperate football team. Certainly, I mean, Craig Dickinson said, hey, his team just isn't very good right now. I think we know that they can be much better than they've shown. And I'm sure the Bombers are going to need to be ready for that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, this is, I think, what happened a little bit in the last game for Winnipeg. You know, you're playing a team that's desperate. Hamilton was desperate. 
Uh, they've since lost since the game, the win over Winnipeg. And I don't know if that if there's any way to properly measure what desperation can mean for a football team. But again, we're at late September. Saskatchewan's two and seven in their last nine games. They got to get things figured out, right? And if Winnipeg's not careful, they'll get punched in the mouth again, just like Hamilton did, because the desperate, the desperation factor is certainly at play here for the Riders. Um, it's, you know, the, 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 you're right. They're going to get Dan Clark back, Duke Williams back. Those are two huge pieces for them. And this was a team that at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were saying looks pretty, pretty solid and could make some noise to be in the Grey Cup in their own backyard. Now, the walls seem to have crumbled around them a little bit since then. And, you know, Craig Dickinson's comment after the game about them not being very good right now apparently did not uh, go over very well in the Rough Rider locker room. So all this adds up to a team that's getting healthy again and is angry and is desperate. And again, that that makes things really uh, uh, difficult for, for Winnipeg, even though they've been solid at home. It's tough to beat a team three times uh, in, an, in a season, three times in a few weeks, too. Uh, and although we're all enjoying this, right? Winnipeg's won six in a row against Saskatchewan, including the playoffs. And uh, I don't think anybody in this town would be uh, arguing about how wonderful that's been. And no one we'd rather have here on a Friday night and what's looking like going to be a beautiful Friday night. I mean, all things considered for the time of year, I mean, with the daytime high approaching 22 degrees. Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com is with us. Eddie, uh, we'll look forward to kickoff tomorrow night. Um, you always have great stuff at BlueBombers.com with the 48-hour primer and more. Uh, but I wanted to draw attention before we leave to the conversation you had with Rashid Bailey, um, a powerful conversation and um, a tragedy at his old high school involving young football players. Um, maybe just give a, people a bit of a taste of um, what they'll find at bluebombers.com and something that I think they really should read. Yeah, I appreciate that. Huss. Thanks for the plug. Um, Rashid Bailey's school in uh, Philadelphia, Roxborough High School, there was a shooting there Tuesday uh, a junior varsity team was coming off practice and a 14 year old boy was shot, like just leaving practice, football practice and killed. There were four other boys that uh, got shot too. One was just grazed, but a couple guys got, one guy got a bullet in two bullets in the arm and one in the leg. Uh, I guess the police are still investigating it, but there was, there were 60 shots, 70 shots fired. A bunch of kids were waiting in a car for the practice to end. And when practice in and the boys are walking down this street back to the school they got uh, jumped and shot and that's it, you know if you know Rashid Bailey this means so much to him he's, he's a, a proud product of Philadelphia went to that high school he said he's walked those steps been on that field bled on that field cried on that field as he said and um, for him to be for this to it really hit him really hit him hard when I was talking to him he was really fighting back tears you know, and it's uh, for me, it, it was pretty, sh you know, as a father of a couple of boys that played football too, to see the, the crime scene photos from Philadelphia, you know, the football equipment still on the ground and all the, the evidence markers, it's, it's pretty chilling. But Rashid, because he's such an inspirational person, is, is vowing to, to step up even more and try to speak more when he gets a chance to back in his old neighborhood at the school. And uh, yeah, if you get a chance, you should read it because it's 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 a tough it's a tough thing for someone like Rashid to go through. But um, you know, he he said to me, I asked him yesterday, "Are you okay talking about this?" And he said, "I need to talk about it." And uh, I think that shows in what he said in the story. Well, Rashid's just a, such a powerful and emotional speaker when 
speaking about things like football, um, uh, I can just feel the emotion coming out from the piece. And uh, folks, make sure to check that out, along with all the other great content that Ed and the Bombers team have for you waiting at BlueBombers.com, both before and, of course, after the game with full reaction from hopefully a win for our Bombers tomorrow night against the Rough Riders. Thanks so much for doing this, Ed. Have a great weekend, and good luck to the Blue and Gold. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Huss. Have a good day. All right, great stuff with Ed Tate. Looking forward to the game tomorrow night. And we will have, by the way, folks, some secondary prizes in the marble race today where our second through fifth uh, uh, finishers, if they would like, will have a pair of Jim Beam social passes for the game tomorrow. Um, so make sure to stick around Thursday marbles with no show tomorrow coming up in just a bit. All right. Ken Weeb's going to jump on with us in just a couple of seconds. Of course, game is tomorrow and you know where to be before the game. Princess auto tailgate zone outside IG field, $5 beers, three fifty pop and hot dogs, DJ finesse spinning atmosphere at the princess auto tailgate was as good as I've ever been a part of before a bomber game at the banjo bowl. Banjo Bowl 2.0. Let's run it back and do it again, and hopefully with the same result for the Bombers. So we'll see you there tomorrow before the game. It opens two hours before. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24 7 365 at princessauto.com only appropriate we give a plug for our friends at culligan water before the most hydrated man in media joins us ken weeb of course culligan water is the water experts for over 65 years in the business water softeners filters bottled water coolers whole home systems drinking water systems and citywide water delivery services as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions 1200 sergeant avenue you can give them a call at 694-5180 or check them out online for what the culligan man can do for you at drinkculligan.com uh, speaking of that game tomorrow, great time to try the new CC and Ginger ready-to-drink premix cocktail. If you haven't already, Canadian Club, of course, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I know there'll be lots of CC poured at the Rum Hut and the Jim Beam Stillhouse. But throughout the stadium, you can get all the great taste of Canadian Club as well as the CC and Ginger. And our Jim Beam social passes that we'll be giving out in the marble race will also come with a free CC and Ginger for you to enjoy at the game. You can pick up CC and Ginger at your favorite beer store in six packs and get all the great taste of Canadian club at your local Manitoba liquor marts. And hey, NFL football is back tonight. Great matchup. Dolphins Bengals for Thursday night football. Watch every NFL game on the big screens of Boston pizza. Join pizza flights and bud draft for five bucks every game. And you'll be entered to win one of two grand prize trips for two for an NFL weekend in Vegas, including airfare, hotel, NFL game tickets, and a bonus NHL game. Watch the NFL enter to win at any Winnipeg, Steinbeck, Selkirk, Morden, and Portage, Boston Pizza location. All right, Craig Button still to come on the program, but let's uh, dive into Weeb's world right now and welcome in Sportsnet's Ken Weeb on the program. Weber, how are you, my friend? Hydrated as always, the Culligans flowing. Looks like Billy Hanela will be paired with Logan Stanley. Uh, Dylan Samberg getting another look here, but playing with Nate Schmidt uh, in what could be a potential pairing uh, when the season starts. 
And then you have Kyle Capabianco, who was very good against the Oilers, I thought, uh, paired with Johnny Kovacevic on the right side. So uh, interesting to see what happens on the blue line. And then we'll, what we'll be looking for up front, well, uh, it's a bit of a hodgepodge in terms of the lineup, and they're going to have 13 forwards with one game-time decision, according to Rick Bonus. But uh, again, we've been talking about him nonstop for three weeks now. I'm interested in seeing what Saku Benalainen does in his third look here. Will he be with Kevin Stenland? Will he be with Jeff Mallott? Uh, Daniel Torgerson will get another look after his two-goal performance the other day. So uh, it's interesting to see what we've seen so far. It'll be this first look at Sam Gagne playing up with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think Mason Appleton is eager to get into another game. And man, Appleton just, uh, us, we talk about guys who are coming out of their shell. We always talk about Kyle Connor when it comes about being more comfortable at the microphone. Man, Mason Appleton, absolute grand slam yesterday with how he dealt with a variety of topics, including shift length and uh, some of the other issues that were brought up by Mr. Rick Bonus on Tuesday night after the 5-3 win. Well, speaking of, speaking of that, and listen, I want to get to the lineup and a little bit more on what you just touched on, Ken, but, um, you know, quite obviously it's been, uh, from my perspective, just so refreshing to hear Rick Bonus shoot straight with fans through the media. Um, we played some of the clips earlier. The players aren't hearing anything through the media that they haven't heard directly from Rick himself. Uh, but just uh, what were you thinking? You've been in a lot of these presses before. I mean, you've been around Rick on a daily basis, um, both after the game on Tuesday night and yesterday. Um, some pretty frank comments about what he needs from his players, some things that he didn't like, in particular shift length. We know who he was talking about. It was the top line of Shifley, Ehler, Ehlers, and Kyle Connor. And then a comment that the veterans can't be the problem. Um I found that refreshing, but also very necessary. Um, this is pretty clear. He's trying to establish a certain standard right out of the gate. And like most teams, it really does start with your leaders. Um, your perspective on what we've heard from Bones. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Us, I mean, I'm involved in that post-game presser for sure. And I mean, the old eyebrows get raised a little bit right away. And I know that quite... <laughs> Quite frankly, uh, before Rick had a chance to uh, let everyone else know that he had already told the players that, I know that social media was all a flutter over uh, the 55 number that was thrown out there. Um, you know, again, I didn't, speaking of 55, I thought that Mark uh, handled things. Uh, this is what, you and I have been talking about this for the last month or so. Uh, yes, it was only one visit at the Manitoba Open, but Mark Schleifley has kept this sunny disposition and I actually thought how he handled things was fantastic yesterday at a time. Let's be honest. Most people thought that Mark would be annoyed by the line of questioning or the mere suggestion that how dare you take shifts that are too long. Um, I love the fact that he said he first conceded and admitted he was a guy who extends his shifts once in a while. But then he went back and said, that's something we all have to take pride in. So Hus, we've been talking about ownership for for months already, to me, it was another great sign from Mark Shifley that he is taking ownership. And the other part about Mark Shifley, we always talk about his studious nature and wanting to get better and, you know, having an army of skills, coach, fitness, nutrition, Adam Oates, the whole works. There is this perception out there that Mark Shifley doesn't want to be coached, that he doesn't want to hear criticism, whether it's in a private conversation or in the public, like we saw both things take place on Tuesday and then again on Wednesday. Mark, Mark flat out said, I'm trying to get better, 
the de definition of coaching is pointing out someone's flaws and giving that player a solution in order to help them get better. Mark is embracing that with open arms. And us, as I wrote in my column at sportsnet.ca, it's great to have that opinion on September 28th. It's even more important to have it in April 10th and June 15th, if you will. But man, oh man, if you're a Jets fan and you listen to Mark Shifley, how can you, that, that's got to be music to your ears, don't you think? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly I, I, I much better than, you know, questioning it or anything like that. I, I guess, you know, what will remain is if um, it's great to to say it, and I, I'm with you. I mean, he's, he's been saying the right things. Um, but, you know, obviously on the ice um, it is going to take some, you know, some work to get to where Rick Bonus obviously needs this team to be, and in particular his leaders. Because as I said earlier on, part of the reason why I think it's important that Rick, you know, listen, it, you could just say those things and couch it to the media, I guess. But being pretty frank and open about what he's hoping to see out of this team, both to the players and everyone else, I think puts everything on the table. It makes it very clear what is being expected of it. And now the hope is that that will transition into performance on the ice as the coach wishes to see it. For sure. And you know this and you've been talking about it all week, but let's not forget, like if Mark is taking one minute and 10 second shifts at five on five when the season starts, hey, by all means, go bananas if you want to, if you're a fan. But let's not forget, like Mark Shifley hadn't played a game since, what is it? He got hurt in February or March. I mean, the season ended May 1st, but Mark didn't play the last stretch of games after getting injured by Parker Kelly, who was in the game on Tuesday. So to me, this is getting out of summer hockey mode. And yes, Mark Shifley and Kyle were at 105 for shift length and Ehlers was 103. That was, you know, impacted by special teams to a degree. But Mark was still at 55 seconds for his five-on-five -five shifts. That's too high. But again, I'm not over yet freaking out here and saying, oh, Mark Shifley's just out there coasting. It's a preseason game. I mean, it's going to take some time. But I do think it's important that those habits, those good habits get established early and I love the stuff that we heard from Nate Schmidt, from Mason Appleton saying flat out, you can't win taking 55-second shifts. I love that. I love that the Jets are openly talking about this. All we talked about last year at the end of the year, Huss, was accountability. And that's what you're hearing. And Mason Appleton went out of his way to say he wasn't pointing fingers himself. He gets caught out on longer shifts at times. Nate Schmidt saying, hey, as players, you want to be held accountable. And I love the fact that Rick Bonus has set the tone early. Nate Schmidt said it himself. He caught the attention of the entire National Hockey League by taking the C away from Blake Wheeler. He also has the attention of his own team. And again, what we've been seeing throughout the entire training camp, the interaction between the coaches, it's at a high, high level. And it's necessary when you're trying to install new systems. Now, if people thought that you could just go up on a board, have one video session and work on your four check or your neutral zone or your D zone, essentially one day where that was the focus or the next day, I mean, you got another thing coming. It takes time. But the fact that questions are being asked and people seem to be absorbing the schemes and the reads and reactions that are required, to me, those are good signs. I mean, has it translated in the first few games? No, absolutely not. I mean, it's you're seeing pieces of those things, but you're also seeing reads that are getting made, but they're a split second too late. Let's take the first Senator's goal as a great example from Cole Reinhardt. Dylan Sandberg made the right read to press Jace Haraluk at the blue line, 
but he got there a split second late. Haverlick pokes it past him, and then Neil Pionk got caught on the wrong side of the puck, and Reinhardt walked in alone and scored. So the fan sees two big breakdowns on that play. Nate Schmidt sees a guy who made the right read, but a split second too late, and then the other guy got caught just about a, a split second behind. And again, two different plays, but this goes back to the first game against Edmonton Huss. Chaz Lucius made the right play when Capabianco was in the corner pinching. Lucius was the high guy as the F3 was in the right position. And then Chaz kind of got, got his welcome to the NHL moment where he was standing beside Ryan McLeod, but all of a sudden McLeod pulled away and Lucius, who was a young player, found out pretty quickly he wasn't in college anymore and he couldn't catch the player that he was assigned to check. So, but again, that's a learning lesson. That's I'm not criticizing Chaz Lucius. What I'm saying is he made the right read in terms of his defensive awareness, but then he didn't finish the play. And part of that is because he's just start, starting to learn the NHL game. So there are going to be mistakes within the systems, whether that's defensive, neutral zone, forward checking. But like once we get down to games five and six, when you have the regular lineup, when most of the cuts have been made, that's when you're going to start to see the importance of whether or not these players are picking up at full speed against NHL competition and not just some of the guys that are on the periphery or are destined for the minors. No, I think it's a great point. Ken Weave of Sportsnet with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Let's get to tonight's game. Very different lineup than we saw at home on Tuesday. Pierre-Luc Dubois playing the second road game. Looks like he's going to be centering Christian Reichel and Sam Gagne. An interesting look with Gus in the middle of Appleton and Harkins. And I'm still, you know, we've had so many conversations over the last little while that just sort of assumed that Appleton and Lowry were going to be together and it's a competition of who's going to be on that left side. The more we get through the preseason, I'm sort of thinking that maybe we shouldn't be making too many assumptions. And listen, I think we know who's going to probably be in the top six. Um, But, you know, who plays with Adam Lowry, his role, uh, and where David Gustafson fits in. And just the entire, I, I think there is somewhat a flux of the bottom six right now heading into this game. And we're going to see a number of individuals, including Saku Menelainen, who gets another opportunity, and Brad Lambert in his first preseason game, Ken. We'll talk about the defense in a minute, but um, thoughts on Menelainen and Lambert getting an opportunity here for the first time. But Menelainen has really been one of the positive stories of camp so far, of a guy that stood out and earned more looks from the coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely, Hassan. Sorry, the uh, internet gremlins are uh, on full attack mode here. I, I missed the start of that question, but I'm pretty sure I know where you were going. Uh, Menelainen is, is quite frankly the shining, the shining star of camp. Not not the star in terms of being a star, but in terms of continuing to show that he deserves more. Hassan, to be honest, I, I think that right now Menelainen has shown incredibly well. He still has a lot of work to do in terms of locking down an opening day roster spot. But Hus, based on what I've seen so far, I think he would he would look good on the Jets' fourth line. And I can even see a scenario based on his skill set with his skating ability and willingness to play with an edge and ability to kill penalties that we saw. I could see Menelainen at one point pushing for that job that you just mentioned, potentially playing alongside Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. Now, part of that is is it's tough for 
Morgan Barron, the fact that he hasn't really been a full participant. Now he's back on the ice, at least in non-contact. But a job that we saw kind of earmarked for Morgan Barron or Jansen Harkins, who's had the majority of the looks, man, all of a sudden, Menelainen is trying to force his way into the discussion. But right now, I've loved what I've seen from Menelainen. I'm not just talking about the nice toe drag the other day. He's positionally sound. He's a smart player. And he has the perfect demeanor, Huss. I mean, I was talking about this with Sean Reynolds the other day. The thing that people, not most people, are talking about, this is what the Jets wanted Christian Veselainen to turn out to be in five years, right? This guy's 28 years old. By his own admission, it's his last chance to play in the NHL. Yeah, maybe Veselainen has a little bit more offensive ceiling. But, man, you have a finished product here, basically. A guy who know he's been a pro for a long time. He got a sniff of the NHL, a taste with Rod Brindamore and the Carolina Hurricanes. And now he's trying to show that he deserves to be in the NHL again. So I've been really impressed with him. Uh, it's going to be interesting here. I, I'm excited to see Brad Lambert. I mean, we know there's a lot of flash and dash there in his game. He's a guy that really pops when he's on the ice. Hus. He's got that incredible skating ability and stride. He's got an ability to shoot the puck. But the problem for Brad is that he's missed almost all of training camp so far, getting hurt early in the sessions. You know, he probably by now he would have been playing his second or maybe even potentially his third preseason game. Now he's going to get one tonight and hope that he can get into one of the last two. Rick Bonus basically saying it would be up to Lambert to show that he belongs. But we are expecting a, a, the next wave of cuts to be coming uh, Friday or Saturday morning at the latest. So uh, I'm intrigued to see him and to see who he's playing with. And, you know, maybe Lambert's playing with Kevin Stenland, who also had a pretty decent showing in, in the opening game, I thought. So those guys are all interesting in the in and amongst themselves. And, you know, where does Sam Gagne fit? Is he for surely on the fourth line? Does does he maybe have a chance to be on that third line? I think there's still very much an open competition for, let's say, the last two or three forward spots. But there's a real jockeying for position. And the other thing that we're curious about, and I asked Rick Bonus about this yesterday, Huss, I wonder about his philosophy about top six, bottom six versus more of a top nine. And again, we're always looking for clues in the preseason. Basically, Dubois and Adam Lowry have kind of changed roles once the preseason games have started, right? So the guys we expected to be on the line with Dubois in terms of Perfetti and Wheeler, those guys are now, you know, with today again with Adam Lowry. So is that just because they're trying to meet the quotas or is there something further to be gleaned? And Rick didn't really, you know, he didn't really distinguish what he plans on doing. He said he usually likes to have a checking line and then he needs some energy from the fourth line. So that doesn't necessarily answer the directly the question about where guys are going to stand in terms of where they fit in the lineup. But I think it's also part of the whole equation. Rick's been saying from day one of camp, he's getting to know the players. So are the Jets in a better position if that guy's being used there, gets a few more minutes at five on five or, and how is the special teams all going to work? Cause we saw both, uh, Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler being used on the penalty kill. And Kyle Connor was getting some extra penalty killing work again today. And maybe Dubois, you and I have discussed this, Huss, maybe Dubois works himself into the penalty killing mix at some point, depending on who makes it on that fourth line and some of the other situations. So, yeah, I found it interesting that Wheeler was out there with Lowry, and I was saying to the guy I was sitting at the game with, going, I could see that being, you know, if Blake's going to have less of a role in the number one power play unit, I mean, uh, you know, he's a guy that certainly still, you know, has a big, big frame, big stick. I mean, there are some things that I think would, um, 
maybe position themselves to be a positive penalty killer. But let's talk about the blue line, Ken, because I think that's for sure the most interesting. But just quickly on Lambert, from my perspective, I mean, listen, he's not making the team out of camp, uh, but I think that he can go a long way to show that he belongs to stay in Winnipeg for the season, and that would be going to the Manitoba Moose with a strong performance over the course of uh, the preseason. And that's why this is such a big game. There's nothing guaranteed after this, really, for any players. But as far as the blue line goes... Tonight, we've got Vili Hainala, we've got Logan Stanley, we've got Dylan Sandberg, Johnny Kovacevic, all, Kyle Capo, Bianco. Um, what do you make of this competition right now? I mean, for the sake of this conversation, let's assume that the five veterans are in that opening day lineup. Just give us your thoughts on the battle to be the sixth guy that is on the ice and in the lineup in the home opener against the Rangers on the 14th of October. Yeah, I think honestly, Hus, the competition is just really starting. And I know it's already started, but the real part of the competition starts today for me. I think Rick Bonus himself, Sean Reynolds, asked him if he'd seen separation. There hasn't been real separation so far. Yes, I know Logan Stanley had a big blunder on the first shift of his preseason. But again, this is a guy who hasn't played in a while. If he if he's got to obviously elevate his game, there's no question about that. He knows it. He talked about it yesterday. But I mean, one one error is not going to sink your standing it's how you're going to play in the next stretch i thought Billy hanel had a you know mixed bag in his first look i'm really curious to see how he looks today i think he needs to continue to play with confidence i know that he has been uh, you know he's eager and you know excited about the ability to activate and get involved offensively obviously you saw that great great zone entry by cole perfetti a beautiful backhand pass by adam lowry across and then just an exceptional finish by Vili Hanel. And again, people say, oh, that's just a backdoor tap-in. Well, yeah, it's a backdoor tap-in on a backhand sauce that went through three sets of sticks and landed in a position where if Vili doesn't hit it where he hits it, he either misses the net or hits the side of the net or hits the goalie in the pad. It's excellent uh, finish on that play, but just a great read to get to the back post. Lowry uh, did that earlier. twice, by the way. Lowry had two, like, beautiful oh, yeah. passes to wide open. I mean, I... Uh, I was particularly impressed on uh, from Lowry on those plays. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Just thought I'd give a little no, dab no, no to the worries. guy to set that one up. Yeah, no doubt. And and, and Hanel earlier in the game, he, you know, he had a little bit of trouble with the puck. Uh, you know, he had got caught on a few occasions at times. But again, this is a guy who is trying to find his way. Again, Rick Bonus said it himself when I asked him directly about Hanel. Jets have to figure out if they can win with them. And what that means is, is the risk-reward element at the striking the balance, right? I mean... This is a guy who is, you know, takes some high, high risk, high leverage kind of plays to get offense. I mean, Rick Bonus said today, you know, he said before that 24 wasn't enough. He'd like to get his defenseman goals into the 40s, is what he said. So, I mean, you know, if you're looking at a guy who has the ability to create odd, generate offense, well, Hanela fits the bill pretty, pretty exceptionally in that stage. So, um, again, I, I think his checking was fine. I don't, you know, it wasn't great, but he was getting in the way. He was making aggressive reads. And that's the thing. When he plays an aggressive style, he can be very effective. Now, you know, what? how is Logan Stanley going to respond? I mean, is he going to be bringing that physical element? Is he going to get his confidence back when it comes to his puck-moving ability and moving his feet, which is what all of his coaches have been asking from him? Capabianco is kind of like the sleeper. He's a guy that gives you a steady, kind of well-rounded game. Uh, maybe the ceiling isn't quite as high, but he's got a little bit more experience. So would you rather have a guy like Capabianco as your seventh guy? As you're in your defense mix, but now you're thought now you're talking about exposing other guys to waivers. I mean, Dylan Sandberg, I thought had a very good game the other night. The fact that he's now being used 
with Nate Schmidt. I think that's Rick Bonus looking at another option. So far, we've been used to seeing Neil Pionk and Dylan Sandberg. Now, Nate Schmidt being with them. Now you have two mobile guys and two big guys. That could be a potential shutdown pairing down the road, whether it's right away or later on. But you got two guys that are, you know, aggressive in nature. Now, Dylan's a little bit more physical, I guess. But I think there's a lot of options at the disposal of Rick Bonus. Uh, Johnny Kovacevic is a guy who I thought he was steady in his first game. He needs to play a physical, assertive style. But these guys are all in the competition between games three and game six. And then there's still going to be a week period where the Jets are in BAMF where they don't play until the following Friday. I mean, you're going to get down to the eight, but I don't think that necessarily the six will be determined until that last week of practices in terms of who's showing well. Because I think the Jets will start with eight defensemen because they won't necessarily want to expose a guy like Kovacevic to waivers. I'm with you on that as well. And, uh, you know, tonight we'll be focusing in on uh, the young defensemen and see what they can do. And certainly that's not going to change throughout the preseason and then in Banff as well. Weber, thanks so much for doing this. Have a great night. Might see you at the game tomorrow. And, of course, the big Dale Howarchuk statue unveiling on Saturday and the season ticket holder appreciation game as the preseason continues. Thanks for doing this, Ken. My pleasure. Always thanks for having me and uh, greetings to Mr. Button. I'll, I'll enjoy listening to him as you continue the show. And thanks to all the listeners and the uh, commenters and everybody else. Uh, have an excellent long weekend, everybody. Appreciate it. There's Ken uh, Craig giving you a little wave uh, from the green room of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Craig Button is coming up right away. Can't wait to talk to TSN's director of scouting on what we've got going on coming up here in Winnipeg for the upcoming season. Before we do that, a big thanks to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Gorgeous weather this week. Still blizzard weather. Not the winter blizzard, the uh, the DQ blizzard. And check out those delicious snack burgers as well when you're popping by any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. If you want to get a custom cake made up, they'll get it done as you want it for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And a big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. We got a little bit of extra patio weather here, folks. And if you weren't there for our first sports trivia night at Little Brown Jug down in the exchange on William Avenue, great few days to go in and check out what they've done. Just a beautiful renovation to the outside portion of Little Brown Jug. And while you're there, you can try all the amazing Little Brown Jug beers. You can also order at littlebrownjug.ca for citywide delivery or get the great taste of LBJ, your favorite local beer store. All right, let's welcome in to Talk Some Jets, TSN's Director of Scouting, Craig Button. Craig, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here in Winnipeg today. How are you? I am really well. How are you doing? Awesome. Fired up for uh, fired up for the season. I think we all agree that we've spent enough time talking about last year and the old coaching staff and Looking forward to this year, and I'll be honest, Rick Bonus so far has been an absolute breath of fresh air um, from a fan's perspective, at least. Uh, being pretty straight with the media and straight with the fans and speaking with the players before he tells us the exact same thing. And um, it's gone over quite well. Obviously, we'll see what happens on the ice. But, um, Craig, before I even get to the coaching staff changes and the effect of Rick Bonus on this club... Um, I have to ask you about your reaction and what you thought about Rick's real first move as head coach of the Winnipeg Jets 
and that was shaking up the leadership group, removing Blake Wheeler as the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, what did you think about that, and what does that do to a team going into the first camp under a new head coach? Well, I mean, it's uh, what I would call it is it's certainly saber-rattling. I mean, it gets everybody's attention. Certainly Rick Bonus came in and established just the way I'm running things. And, you know, Rick uh, said that he had spent uh, uh, a lot of time talking to different players. And, you know, he used the words they were embarrassed about last year. He said he didn't want to make decisions based on, you know, what he had heard from the outside. But what, what Rick very clearly was able to do was watch what was going on, you know, from his observations as an opposing coach and then certainly trying to dial in and then through conversations. And through those conversations, you know, it, it, it's not about, okay, yeah, we need a change or this is uh, a problem or whatnot. You're listening to a lot of voices. And, you know, Blake has a, has a big personality and he's, he has a very strong presence. But at the same time, I think Rick looks at it as an opportunity to give other players voices, to give other players uh, a significant leadership role where they can assert themselves. I don't see it much differently than what Bill Guerin and Dean Evison did in Minnesota. Now, they didn't do it as quickly as Rick Bonus did, but they also don't have the same level of experience as Rick Bonus. You know, and so... You know, when, when they made the decision that Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi were going out the door, they, it really gave everybody else an opportunity to step up and be leaders. And, you know, it's it's not about one player. It's always about more than one player. You don't have to wear a letter, as Daryl Sutter says. A lot of it is just decoration. You know, it's about what are you going to do to lead? And and I think Rick wanted to open it up to the, to, to the group and to open it up to people that may not have felt comfortable you know, asserting themselves. So it's a bold move, but it, but it's a it's a it's a move not based on just change. It's based on Rick Bonus believing that this change can lead to more voices, more of a of an overall leadership focus rather than just a singular or a few player focus on leadership, and then build from there. You know, we, we spent a lot of time on the show talking about it, hearing from Bonus and Blake Wheeler, who spoke to it the first day to sort of get ahead of it before camp really began. And I think there's sort of consensus that this is, I mean, certainly, I mean, somewhat challenging for a player like Wheeler, who's been almost the face of the franchise for the better part of the last five or six years. Um, and it's one of those things that can go in a couple different ways. Um, you know, it can be challenging, it could damage a relationship, it could have a player disgruntled, but it could also be liberating. And I think it was very obvious, Craig, that, you know, when Blake was asked, you know, if the captaincy had become a burden at times, I mean, he just, just flat out said yes. And we've seen he's so intense, the pressure that he put on himself. I mean, do you see a path for this to actually be a good thing for not only the team overall, but also for Blake Wheeler as a member of that club playing a bit of a different role, but still being a very important member of this hockey club? Well, and I think you, you touch on a real important part. He's, he's a good player, and he can be an important player. So when you ask me, you know, like, I, I say this all the time. It's up to Blake how he wants to handle it. I mean, like, there, there's no way that from the outside – you know, you're, you're not looking and go, oh, boy, what an indictment on, uh, on Blake Wheeler. Now, whether that's fair or not fair, the bottom line is, is that it, it, it's played out in public. But Blake, Blake is mature enough. 
He has a lot of confidence in his abilities. And, and he even said, he goes, I'm still going to be a leader. And I think that that's what Rick Bonus wanted to hear. And I think for Blake, his choice is, hey, listen, I am a part of the Winnipeg Jets. I want to be a difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets. So his approach to this scenario, I think, not only can benefit, as you point out, the group, I think it can also benefit Blake because he has been honest about sometimes it feeling like a burden. So if he can share that burden and, you know, you can have more people sharing in that focus on leadership and, you know, and, and leadership isn't just one person, you know, you can have pockets of leadership and, you know, one pocket can work in a certain area and another pocket can work in, a, in another area. And I think that by extension, that makes the group stronger. And I, I think Blake recognizes that. And, I think Blake probably feels a little bit of a relief that it doesn't all have to fall on his shoulders because sometimes what ends up happening is because you feel that burden, you think you have to have all the answers. You think you have to fix all the problems. That's quite a load to put on one person. And I think is I think Blake recognizes that. And I think Blake can get to uh, uh, the beginning of this season and be a really good player like he has been for the Winnipeg Jets and still be a good leader with others being able to step up as well. Well, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that if it's in, handled in the best way, um, accepting this, moving on to being a great teammate might be the best example of leadership that anybody on the team can show. And I think that is great for the collective whole. And obviously we hope you certainly said the right things and still, and one thing you can be guaranteed of that Blake Wheeler is going to play his ass off when he's thrown out there by Rick bonus. Speaking of Rick bonus, um, you've got a great piece at TSN.ca, and we've seen it on SportsCenter. Can the coaching staff changes ignite the Winnipeg Jets? Um, it's been really fun listening and dealing with Rick Bonus over the course of the last week. He had some interesting comments about some of his top players after the game, saying straight out, the veterans can't be the problem. Wasn't pleased with some shift lengths and a few of the things. I mean, your thoughts on the staff, along with Scott Arneal and Brad Lauer, how impactful can they be? And uh, what it, what have you thought about what we've heard from Rick so far in this early stages of uh, being back behind the bench in the peg? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is anybody that thinks you're going to BS the Winnipeg Jets fans, you're just kidding yourself. And Rick Bonus is straight ahead. You know, he talks about being with the right people, you know, speaking of the organization, but he also knows the community. And you know what? Like you, you can come out after a game and say, oh, yeah, it's not a problem. The fans know and the supporters know. So Rick, Rick isn't even going to go down that path of trying to BS anybody. And as you pointed out earlier, he, he he's going to tell the players, and then what he told the players, he's going to say publicly, and and that to me is a, a, an element that I think is really important for a team. It, it it's knowing that here's our standard, and we're going to hold everybody to it, and we're not going to try to sugarcoat it. That doesn't mean you have to be mean or you know say, say things in a derogatory manner. You can say the shift lengths for too long. Simple as that, and that's not good enough. And bottom line is, Rick is going to deliver a message that is going to be consistent, but he's not going to waver from his message. And he's not going to be fooled by anything. The biggest thing for the Winnipeg Jets to take from Rick Bonus, in my view, is simply this. They have enough good players to be a good team. But what's happened in the past? They haven't been a good team despite having a lot of good players. Mike Johnson talked about it. He's, it's, he said... It doesn't seem like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. 
good teams, the hole is always greater. That's what Rick will bring to this team. This team has been terrible defensively. Terrible. And there's no other way to put it. Well, Rick Bonus's teams in Dallas last year, one of the best in the league. You take a, 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 a group of really good players that are committed to playing defensively and committed to dialing into the details, and they can become a really good team. There's no question in my mind this Winnipeg Jets team has the capability to be that. And Rick Bonus, he's going to push that hard, 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 hard. And there's not going to be any in-betweens. And there's not going to be any BS. Uh, it was uh, it was so refreshing to hear, and he's been that way really from the start. But the first real example we got of that was after the exhibition game, the preseason game on on Tuesday. And you know, he mentioned about the shift lengths, and I don't know. People have different opinions on whether his singling out a fifty five second shift was a subtle reminder of some of the guys that needed to do that. Everyone can make their own decisions on it. But when we talk about 55, um, he's been a huge topic here ever since the end of the season where he wasn't playing and what he had to say. He's come back. He said all the right things. He seems to be engaged. But part of the reason why he we talk so much about him is it's pretty clear. He's arguably the most talented guy on the team. And if this team is going to change and we talk about leaders stepping up and showing the way, I'm not sure there's anyone that can be the agent of change for a team more than Mark Shifley. He's got two years left on his contract, Craig. He's in the prime of his career right now. Um, what are your thoughts on the challenges of Mark Shifley that he'll be given by Rick Bonus and the opportunity there for him to turn around after what was clearly one of the most disappointing careers of uh, of a very successful career or years of his career? Yeah, and, and, and I, I think Mark Shifley is a star player in the league, and I don't think there's any question. But, you know, what ends up happening, teams end up going wayward, and, and, and then the individuals, you know, start to try to find their way in, 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 in different ways. And, and sometimes that's not always cohesive. Rick Bonus talked about it. He said the players, in, all, in his conversations with the players, they were embarrassed. You know, and Mark Shifley is, is a high achiever. He's accomplished a lot in this league. But, you know, last year is something that occurs and unfolds, and nobody's happy about it. And I think that that became very evident, not only with the changes that Kevin Chevaldeoff made, but also very evident with some of the comments you've heard from the players and from Rick Bonus. And I think that bodes very well. Because, you know, when you're a good player and you want to accomplish at a higher level, and you want to accomplish something you can't just do individually, and that's team success. And Mark Shively's had some of that, and he wants more of that. So when you when you come in and you now are looking at an opportunity to put last year behind you, new coach, a belief that that coach can instill a defensive system and a structure that will give your team success, that keeps players like aligned. It keeps them aligned with respect to – Here's how we're going to play, and I'm going to show the way. And I don't think there's any question that Mark Shifley is more than capable of showing the way and will show the way. And that's where Rick Bonus comes in because he's going to emphasize the things that matter. We know Mark can produce lots of points and is, is a very, very talented and gifted offensive player. But, you know, the, the, doing the things that lead to team success in all areas of the game are going to be critically important for the Jets. And I don't think there's any hesitation by Mark to dial into those areas. And I think that the, the intersection of the change with the coach, 
what happened last year and feeling embarrassed, I think that now that gives Mark Shifley and others a real opportunity to say, hey, we're better than that, and we're going to be better than that. And my belief is they will be better than that. Uh, where does the turnaround start, start, Craig, and how much needs to happen for this team to at least be back in the playoffs? Well, what, what, what I think, if you look at all the defensive metrics that the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, you look at from the Winnipeg Jets season last year, they were, they were at or near the bottom of the league in everything. Inner slot shots given up, rush chances, everything, cycle chances against, you know, everything that you got to protect. So when you look at how Rick Bonus's teams played in Dallas, just go look at their defensive metrics. They don't give up the middle of the ice. They don't give up the front of the net. They don't chase out of position. They don't chase outside the dots. They don't put themselves in vulnerable positions. Because once one player chases out of position, well, now another player has to cover up. And, and, and now it becomes a, a revolving door of everybody trying to make up for what somebody else did that put you in that state of vulnerability. To me, Rick will give them a, a sense of positional discipline. Here's how we're going to play. You want to go stay in the corner? We don't need to put pressure on in the corner. Barry Trotz did this in Long Island. He took over a team that was at the bottom of the league or at near at the bottom of the league defensively. Then what did he do? He took that team and proved them significantly defensively. They went to the Eastern Conference final two years consecutive. That was after losing John Tavares. This Winnipeg Jets team has so many things that to me can breed success. And some of the things that Rick Bonus didn't have in Dallas is the offensive prowess. You know, he didn't have the offense that is in, in, uh, in Winnipeg. He, he's got a goaltender that's as good as Ottinger. Hellebuck, we know how good he can be. I think the blue line is a blue line that's more than capable. But you got to take the pressure off of them, and that helps with the forwards understanding, here's how we're going to play. We're going to play in a disciplined positional strong manner we're not going to be chasing and creating vulnerabilities for ourselves all over the ice because that's where the winnipeg jets got themselves in trouble the last number of years it was the style of game they were playing defensively that got them in trouble i don't believe it was the players and i don't think kevin chevelday out believes it was the players that's another reason why i think it's it's an opportunity now with rick bonus coming in for the players to show it wasn't us Craig Buttons, TSN's Director of Scouting. Craig, this has been so much fun to have you back on the program. Thanks for doing this. Just before we go, Michael Remus, my partner here, made uh, just a hilarious, but a, I think a very apt comparison uh, for fans of the Winnipeg Jets that watch the games on TSN 3. First of all, we lose Dennis Bayak, who's going off to retirement. Thankfully, though, he'll still be doing the World Juniors <clears throat> and, <clears throat> excuse me, and the World Championships. And then we find out that Sarah Orleski is moving on from TSN to the Winnipeg Jets. We have these two massive holes. And then in a Treleving-like stroke of genius, we get Dan Robertson coming over from Montreal and a homecoming for John Liu. Um, just quickly, as uh, one of the faces of TSN hockey, a comment on uh, the people that we've lost, but the exciting new members of uh, the TSN team that will be broadcasting these Jets games. Well, I mean, hey, listen, Dennis Bayak is great. And, you know, it's not just his play-by-play -play call. It's his connection with the community and with Winnipeg Jets fans. So, you know, right from 2011, he's had that connection. All, all you have to do is go back and watch the video from last year 
when when he was honored. I mean, it was really special, and Dennis is special. So those are big shoes to fill, and I'm thrilled to be able to continue to work with Dennis on the World Junior. I mean, Sarah Orleski is just phenomenal. I mean, her her talent and her grace is just uh, something that, you know, I, I don't think we ever took it for granted at TSN, but you can always count on it. And, you know, for the Winnipeg Jets to have her doing a lot of features for them, it, it'll be brilliant. And the good thing for Winnipeg Jets fans are going to continue to see Sarah on the broadcast. So, but, you know, Dan Robertson from, you know, the Maritimes is just a, uh, a really solid, solid person who understands community. I think that, you, you know, when you talk about the Atlantic provinces, everybody talks about how friendly they are. Well, that's Manitobans as well. And I think Dan's going to be a great fit. He's really earned his stripes to, uh, you know, fill big shoes, but I think he'll do a really good job. And, you know, John Liu, when Sarah left, I mean, here was somebody that said, I want to go back to Winnipeg. And, and I think it's a wonderful thing. John is a, is a pro's pro and, he will be fully invested in everything uh, involving the Winnipeg Jets and with TSN, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who I think are going to win the Grey Cup for the third consecutive year. So, you know, when I, th when I see, you know, the opportunity to fill big shoes, you have people that are talented and passionate and more than capable. So, uh, yes, we're, we're going to miss Dennis and Sarah, but a big hearty welcome to Dan and to John Luke. Craig, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. I uh, can keep up the uh, awesome, phenomenal preseason content, and uh, hopefully we can catch up uh, during the season when we see what Bones can make of this Winnipeg Jet squad. <laughs> well, we know one thing about Bones. He won't be making any bones about the problems with the team. <laughs> and uh, that is very refreshing around here, I'll tell you that much. Craig, have a great one. Thanks so much for doing this. There Thanks, it is. yeah. TSN's. Director of Scouting, Craig Button. What an awesome visit from Craig, one of our favorites here on the program. All right, uh, we've got lots to get to before the end of the program. Uh, Remus, get back in here. How do we want to do this? Uh, do we want to open things up for some marbles? And then we can go through the cool bet lines while uh, people we give people a few minutes to uh, drop in exclamation mark marbles. How do you want to work that? Yeah, that works. Let me just do that. Um quickly i don't i don't have a ray i wasn't sure what we we're gonna what we were gonna do the order but well, we're yeah. getting close to three so i mean let's get that in there folks uh yes t will if you're asking maybe people missed it we don't have a show tomorrow for truth and reconciliation day so we will be doing the marble race coming up in just a couple minutes so uh if you weren't aware of that good news you're in the right spot um so we will be doing it and by the way craig mentioned the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I'm with him. Well, they're certainly the favorites to win. Still a lot of work to be done. Uh, tomorrow night, we've got a game against the Riders again. A little Banjo Bowl rematch. Banjo Bowl 2.0, if you will. So we've got four pairs of Jim Beam social passes for our second, third, fourth, and fifth place contestants. Now, what I will do is uh, if anybody wants to send me a DM at Hustlerama on Twitter, um, I'm not sure, depending on where people are, if all of our second through fifth place people are going to be able to go to the game. So if you do want to go to the game, and again, the Jim Beam Social Pass, you don't have an assigned seat, but I'm sure you can find one, and you do get a free CC and ginger ale with your ticket. Um, but we've got four passes, uh, four pairs of those to give away through the marble race today. 
and um, that'll be bonus. But as I said, if you want to be a, a stand-in, a fill-in, shall we say, if one of our winners from the Marble Race can't go, I'll pick a couple winners afterwards if that is the case. And you can just send me a, uh, uh, a direct message over at Hustlerama. All right. The Marble Race is open, everybody. Uh, for all of you that did it earlier, um, you might... Oh, yeah. No, okay. There yeah, we go. Yeah, it's just open now. Is... Some people jump the gun so they won't get in if you tight it before the thing exactly. is open. You might have to do it again. I also see some people like adding stuff on at the end. Just type exclamation marble. Nothing, nothing yeah, else. Yeah. It may not, it may not grab it. Yeah, if you want to make it cool and put like marbles with a Z or something, then yeah, it's not going to get grabbed. So just exclamation mark marbles. You know how it works. Uh, we'll give you a couple minutes to do that. T Kona Polly's feeling lucky today. All right. I don't know if T Kona Polly's ever won before. Uh, had a lot of people cake. that have been he's, in. He's won not the hoodie, but he's won cake. Yeah, for being last. So, oh, really? I thought he won yeah. a cake for being first one time before we had the hoodies. Oh, really? Well, T. Kona Paul, you can let us know in the chat, of course. Anyways, exclamation mark marbles. Let's get to the cool bet lines. We got a Thursday nighter tonight in the in the uh, National Football League, and uh, this is going to be a good one. I'm really looking forward to this game. Miami Dolphins and Cincinnati Bengals, and there's been some really interesting line movement. When we did the show yesterday, it was four and a half. And I mentioned at that time, I think if you want to get on Miami, I would do it now because that number's not going that the other way. If anything, it'll get to get tighter. And it did. I got in on it last night at four. And now the Dolphins and Bengals minus 104 on each side. Miami plus three and a half. Underdogs, Cincinnati minus three and a half. I'm surprised. I think this, I mean, I'm on Miami. I'll be straight up. You can check out uh, our other picks, props and whatnot in today's edition of the Lock Shop. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Just put in Lock Shop. And you can check my Twitter or Dustin Nielsen's Twitter for the video episode of today. Um, but I thought this might actually get down to three. It was minus 122 at three and a half for Miami originally. So there has been some steam coming in on Cincinnati. The total for the game was 47 yesterday. It's now up to 48 and a half. Um, so money line Dolphins plus 170, Bengals minus 185. All of the games in the National Football League for the weekend slate are there. Vikings three and a half or three point favorites against the New Orleans Saints. Don't forget, Viking fans, to set your alarms because that's an 8.30 a.m. game as it is from London at the home of Tottenham Hotspur. And if you missed it earlier, there was a few of us that were sort of hoping that that Chiefs-Bucks game would be moved to the Twin Cities. Uh, it is not. It's going to be staying in a Tampa. And a big move on that game. The Chiefs were two-and-a-half-point favorites originally. They're now one-point underdogs in that game. And I guess we should say that's pretty much a pick em right now because the money line is equal 104-104 on either side. Uh, quick look at our CFL lines as we head into the weekend. Tomorrow, we kick it off at IG Field. Bombers, Riders, Truth and Reconciliation game. If you missed Ed Tate earlier, some really neat things that both teams are doing together uh, at the beginning of the game with the special warm-up jerseys. But the Bombers are still eight and a half point favorites in that game. BC and Ottawa, late game tomorrow night. BC, seven and a half point favorites against the struggling Ottawa Red Blacks, who are getting seven and a half. The Elks are now three and a half point favorites, three and a half point underdogs at home. 
I like the Elks to win that game. I'm calling it right now. I think the Elks finally get a win. And Dusty staying home this weekend. No travel, no map watching. He gets to call that one. I think Fam's going to be out at the game. So wouldn't that be nice for him to be able to call an Elks win for the first time since they became the Elks? And the final game, Toronto and Calgary. Jake Mayer with his new contract. Six-point favorites against the Toronto Argonauts. Don't forget, folks, um, if you're on Instagram or Twitter, make sure to follow Cool Bet Canada and give them a sub because you'll get our daily pick from the lock shop. Dusty's doing it tonight. I'll have next week's picks. And, of course, wherever you get your podcast, join us for the lock shop now six days a week through NFL season. All right. Last call for marbles, everybody. Um, we're a Thursday marble race today. And I guess we have to think about who else we need to get mm. into the uh, into the marble race today, yeah. Remus. Well, think about that. But I want to touch on, like, two things here. Uh, one, Greg Wyshynski pulled, I tweeted this, pulled all the NHL players at the thing in Vegas where, yeah. the good, where they sent the really good players to do media. Um and they asked him a bunch of questions. So he asked them about the playoff format. Nice to hear the players say that it sucks and we shouldn't have this dumb divisional format. Like, why are we having a divisional format if the Oilers and the Flames are only playing three times? Like, I can get it if you're going to play them, like, six times. But, like, if you're, if you're just going to be playing everyone equally, this is the dumbest system ever. You have <laughs> Couldn't teams- agree more. You have, like, the Leafs getting the second most points in the league and having, what, the team who pl- play gets the third most points. Like, come on. Let's go back to one to eight. Let's make it make sense. I don't know what, what's worse, Hus, the uh, playoff format or the um, loser point. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm really conflicted. Well, uh, Which you know, one do you the, change the, first? Hill, the loser point is still the hill that I will die on. And by the way, it was very interesting to hear Torgerson, if you listen to him talk after the game on uh, on, on uh, Tuesday... Uh, they were asking about his goals. He said, well, it was great to get two goals, but it was most important that we got the three points. Um, ah, is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. That's what they're exactly. used to. <laughs> exactly. Where it makes sense in literally every other form of hockey around the world. International hockey, yeah. European hockey. Makes too much sense on the three-point games. But yeah, I, I mean, 100%. And I mean, they do the right thing. The players are on side with the wild cards. It certainly makes sense. If there's five teams that are better than the fourth place team in the other division, that's the team that should be in. But I could not agree more. Even if you want to give the two seed to the team that wins the other division, I'm fine with that too. But having the concrete bracket right out of the gate it's terrible does not make a lot of sense. It robs fans. And to be honest, it's not fair to many of the teams. No, nope. I mean... God knows that I'm not here to stump for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the last couple of years, the division that the Leafs are in, um, if things went one to eight with the season that they've had, they're probably playing a much more favorable first round matchup. Now, again, they could choke on that too. They did against the Montreal Canadiens, of course, in the bubble, but uh, it just doesn't make sense. And I don't really see the benefits of it all. I'm not sure whether Gary Bettman and Bill Daly thought that they were going to create some sort of bracket madness like you would get for the NCAA tournament. It's never really happened. And um, it makes a lot of sense to reward teams for great regular seasons if you're going to be playing 82 damn games. So uh, with you on that 100% Reem. I just like that it's getting talked about whenever it gets talked about. Like when you see a national writer like Greg saying, hey, the players think this is a dumb system, which we've all been saying for years. 
Like, let's go. Like, let's let's change it back. This is this is stupid. It's not working. It's screwing over a lot of teams. Um, the divisional format, like the bracket madness. Yeah, like it's fun filling out your bracket, but it's not. You can still do it. Make predictions. Predict. Make the right picks. Mm-hmm. Get the right matchups. Get more points. Yeah, and we do. Okay, and now one other note. Um, and the celebrity death news. Coolio, uh, passing away yesterday, age fifty nine. I mean, gangsta's paradise. That was the biggest hit. He had a number of other. It's a banger. Other hits banger. as well. But uh, I mean, that was. I hadn't thought about Coolio for a while, but that was a shock. And I see video, great videos. Coming up, fantastic in, voyage. That, that was that that's was the, other the jam. One. Yeah, so that was um, yeah, well, definitely sad to see that. You saw some we great won't pictures of uh, Virgil. Yeah. I don't know what to say. We're not going to bring this one up, no. but if you if you're so inclined and a wrestling fan, you might want to check Virgil's touching tribute and uh, to the who, late to the late Julio on Twitter yesterday. And I'll, weird, I'll, Al, I'll just leave it at that. I was going to say Weird Al tweeting out uh, pictures uh, with. With Coolio, I'm oh, a big Amish Paradise guy as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I was definitely definitely saddened to see that one. Yeah, uh, 59 yesterday. years old too soon. I didn't catch the uh, the cause of death, but he um, went into, was at a friend's house, went into the bathroom, and um, had a heart attack. He never came out. They had to like knock on the door to be like, "What's going on?" It was very sudden. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's too bad. All right, let's close up the marbles, folks. Getting at it a little early again tomorrow, Orange Shirt Day, Truth and Reconciliation Day. Uh, be be uh, get there early for the bomber game. Hit up that Princess Auto tailgate zone, and then move on in. There'll be a special anthem beforehand, as Ed Tate mentioned. Uh, but also really looking forward to seeing those warm up jerseys uh, that uh, Ed talked about. And again, credit to the bombers; they were well ahead of this. I mean, two years ago was the first game for truth and reconciliation. And uh, with the Bombers and Riders, two Prairie teams playing on September 30th, very important to have, um, um, you know, a a respectful honorance of the truth and uh, reconciliation for tomorrow's game. Um, All right. Who else do we need to put into the marble race? Um, I'll tell you what, Bones is going back in. If Bones keeps dropping, giving us the good stuff, Bones will continue to be, a member of that. I guess we're going to need to have Remo today, Brandon, Ken, Eddie Tate, and Craig Button. This might be Button's first marble as well. Yeah, Craig's going in for sure. Big, big, big shout out to Craig for for coming up. Yeah. Um. And now we definitely thank you a marble for Coolio for sure. Coolio. R.I.P. Coolio. And uh, and I think we've got to get marbles in for Dan Robertson and John Lou. Oh yeah. Done. They're in. We got 150 in. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get ready for it, folks. Okay. So remember, if you are um, two through five, we got, and by the way, we've got hoodies ordered. So I know Rob's waiting for a double X, and I believe there's one other. Um, we'll be getting those in the next little bit. We'll let you know, but they are ordered, so they're on the way. And we've got a little bit of a a uh, little bit of more stock. Thanks again to our friends at Canadian Club, great sponsors of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, for helping us out with prizing our version of the green jacket for our weekly marble winner here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So we'll look forward to, uh, to that. yes, the lose drip marble. Um, so we've got that. But if you're number two, three, four, or five, we'll call you out. What you'll need to do is fire us an 
email uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com and let us know whether you would like two Jim Beam social passes for the game tomorrow. Again, it gets you admission into the building and a free CC in Ginger. And it is going to be a great crowd in and around 30,000 seats. Uh, but again, there will be areas where you can pop and uh, sit down for a little bit if you'd like. Or you can just hang out in the North End with everyone else having fun and having a few CC and gingers and hopefully watching the Bombers romp for the third time over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, all right, Reem, what do we got here? Uh, I've got to do an update, actually. I had to update the thing. Nice. Where are we at in the update? In I don't know. People update. are begging for um last week's. Everyone's like, do last week's track, last week's track. I was like, I have no idea what it was. Like, Coils of Power. I was like, oh, yeah, that was a good one last week. That was a good one. I, I'm down with the like, return put it in to the, the rotation. Coils of Power. And one thing yeah, I, don't, I, I don't do, I don't uh, keep track of what we use. I like the tracks. I got to start doing that. Marking, writing a, like a notebook of the good tracks. And like a, a notebook of the, of the crap ones, too. Yeah, well, listen, I'm sure there's enough marble hardos in, with us in the chat. Feel free to feel free to do that. But last week's was, I, I have no issue with a return to the Coils of Power because it was one of the more interesting ones that we've uh, we've ever done. Um, yeah, so okay, I'm loading it right now. If you perfect, want to do perfect. it again, we can do the coil. I'm, I'm happy For sure, to. the people seem to be asking for it. We like to do what the people. Tico and Apolli, what about the judge? Uh, I'll tell you what. Oh, Derek Schmidt, my section 141 is sold out. All the hooligan sections are full. Oh, that's because that's, that's where they're having the most fun. You guys ever get Knuckles Irving down into 141 this year? I know Bob is normally up in the thing, but I was really hoping at some point there would be no bigger bomber moment off the field than if the section 141 crew could get the legendary longtime voice of the bombers down there. And Bob doesn't mind a pop, I don't think. So, uh, he might actually have a lot of fun. He might have said, damn, I wish I got out of the booth earlier so I could come down and have fun with you guys. We'll see about that. Uh, but yes, game tomorrow and winners two through five, two Jim Beam social passes, comes with the CC and Ginger. And um, as I said, you can do this right now if you want uh, while we're getting the thing ready. If you do want to go to the game, um, we may have some extra passes because... We'll see what happens with the winners two through five. But uh, I've got a few emails of you. But, hey, we just want to make sure they're used. Really thankful the Canadian club takes care of us and you guys so well. So we certainly want to make sure those people are at the game tomorrow. And, hey, nothing better than a game when the Bombers are taken on the Riders. Interesting, when we get this ready, what everyone's thinking about that game tomorrow. I mean, Bombers should be favorites. Eight and a half points. I went on the lock shop and took eight, the minus eight and a half. I'm a little nervous. Saskatchewan's looking a lot better. Cody Fajardo's finally got all of his receivers. And I think with the return, I believe it's Clark in the middle, um, their offensive line is going to be a good spot. And then you add in the loss of Jackson Jeffcoat. Maybe this game will be a little closer. Certainly the Banjo Bowl, which was a 34-point beatdown after the Bombers dropped the uh, the 50-burger. Yeah, I got to do my DraftKings lineups uh, for this week. Nice to have four games in the CFL. Yes, um, definitely. This, this I don't weekend. like the three. I don't like the three games. The three. Yeah, I don't know how we're getting these three game weekends. Not as fun, but I do like. I say this every time. I love the Saturday night CFL game, but we don't get it. It's Saturday at six, and then three o'clock. It's six and three, but I do enjoy the West Coast late game, and it was 
not as entertaining as I thought it was going to be. The Calgary BC last week, yeah. Calgary and the new Jake Mayer's got the new deal over over BC and we well, do it was to... still more entertaining than the Toronto Ottawa game. That was Ottawa's I mean, just an absolute disaster. Okay, if you're going to put together a list of like the most unwatchable CFL games this year, Ottawa is probably in a bunch of those. <laughs> They're swapping out quarterbacks. Neither of them are effective. They're throwing the ball like two yards over the line of scrimmage um, over and over again. Uh, their games are tough, man, Ottawa. No uh, doubt. It's been a tough year. All right, let's get these marbles going because we do got to get the pot up for people that want to listen to the show on the way home. Um, it sounds like due to popular demand for the first time ever, although I think we have actually gone back to back with a couple good ones. It's just a few of the ones are a little sketchy or weird things have happened. Coils of Power was a great one yesterday, um, so we will do that. Um, and again, if you missed it, there was hope that maybe that Bucks chiefs game would be heading to the Twin Cities on Sunday night. I knew a lot of Winnipeg people were going to maybe plan to make a quick trip down there. Not happening. U.S. Bank Stadium will be dark. Vikings playing in London. And as scheduled, that's great for the people of Florida. Bucks will get a legitimate home crowd and uh, we'll see Mahomes and Brady go head-to-head one more time on Sunday Night Football coming up this weekend. All right, Marbles time on WST. Man, just paying attention to some of this damage in Florida as the new it's, pictures come in. It is absolutely staggering. Yeah. I'm sending it to, like, my father-in-law. We were, like, they go there every year. I was there a couple of years ago. Like, it's destroyed in uh, Floyd Myers Beach. It looks looks horrible. I can't imagine... Yeah, it'll be years. It'll be years to uh, years to to uh, recreate the build, keeps popping up. The build up before today's marble race is something else. Yeah, yes, indeed, Bravo, Brian. It certainly is. Too bad, Hush. You'll miss the goat. Well, listen, I'm going to get back to a few more Chiefs games later on this year, BA. So I'm not too worried about missing the goat this weekend. Well, here I got the theme song. With that. Are we? Yeah, absolutely. Tristan Rivers, hit the music. It's All right, Marbles time here. Bravo, Bri. I hope you get in the top 150. I think you've got a good chance this week. Joey Panks, I could go for a bottle of rye right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, so we got over 150 in here. Congratulations. Shout out to everyone that entered. Thanks for being with us. This is one of our favorite things to do each and every week. Without a show tomorrow, we knew you didn't want to miss a marble race. So, again, first place. We'll get you a hoodie if it is a double XL. We've got them ordered. We've got some more coming in. Shout out to our friends at Canadian Club for the support on that. And speaking of Canadian Club, two, three, four, and five place finishers. We've got a pair of 
Jim Beam Social Passes, admission to Bombers Riders tomorrow, and a CC and Ginger. Um, so without further ado, Remo, I think it's time, a little early this week, a Thursday marble race to get at it. Why don't you uh, drop the marbles? All right, here we go. Here we go. The Coils of Power. Very popular track after last week. Kevin Kowalik, our winner last week. Can he go back to back? I just, Wouldn't that, yeah, he just that be something. His hoodie. You did? Okay, perfect. Nicely done. Yeah, we got you that DK one, uh, Kev. It is on the way. Craig Button in the lead right out of the gate. How about that? Button had hot takes, and now he's had a hot start on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, we've got Frosty in the mix as well. Kitty Pup, I believe. This is wild, too. Did somebody just get thrown over the top rope? Jano. Oh, someone... Jano. That was uh, that was tough. Frosty, Winnipeg, Ohm in the mix. Mike Galay. Mike, hope you're feeling better, buddy. Thanks again for those tickets. The uh, Earlier this week, we had uh, uh, some great response from everyone that went to the preseason game. Pretty and Pionk just got taken out. Dan Jets fan got knocked out, but actually ended up falling into the bit. Dan Jets fan is now in first place. That was a very, very fortunate, fortunate turn of events for Dan, and he just missed the laser. Dan's somewhat caught up right now. We'll see whether anybody can catch up to Dan because he has a big, big lead. Although we do know that there are plenty of pitfalls here. Oh, Rowicki just got thrown over the top rope. Oh. Dan Jets fan, <laughs> is he getting done? Oh, Dan Jets fan is out. We are back on. <laughs> that was a heartbreaker. Frosty Winnipeg. Nicole Jay's in the mix on the other side. Val George just got tossed over the top rope. Who do we have here? Frosty Winnipeg, Evan Bear, Bruce H. Looking pretty good right now. Oh, Frosty just got thrown out. Val L. Listen, this one is not over until it is over right now. Looks like Nicole J actually is slowed down a little bit, but on the left side is in first. And then we've got Paul. Paul Perry. Is this going to come right down to it? Paul on the right side, Nicole on the right. Who's it going to be? Paul Para. That's a first-time winner in WST history. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to see if we can utilize the chat to get some heads up from our two through five contestants because if they're not able to go, we can go down the list. Paul Para, congratulations. Your first win in the marble race. Paul, send us an email winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com let us know what size you are I'll get in touch with you and we'll uh, we'll get a time for a pickup for the hoodie All right, Nicole J Colorado Lowe's Mike Arsenault and Eric Bayer if you guys are in the chat right now Nicole I see you there Nicole can you go to the game if you can let me know who else is in here? Um, any of the two through five. Just let us know if you're in or out. Eric Bayer, can you go to the game? Just want to make sure we want to get you these tickets. Thank you. There you go. Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great work on uh, on it. So we got Eric, Mike Arsenault. Okay, Eric Bayer's already got a, a pass. So uh, who's number six? Ohm. 
Ohm, if you want to go to the game, let us know. The Cabela's Marble. Yes, Cabela's, you did quite good. Oh, for Tanny. For Tanny at 16. Nicely done. T. Conopoli, 18th. Quite good. Um, Colorado Lowe's great. Colorado Lowe's, send us an email. Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. Mike Arsenal can't go. Okay, Russ Lowen, if you can go, let us know. Send us an email right now. That was a mind-blowing race. There's no doubt about that. Um, let's see here. Who else do we have? Uh, ninth. Uh, sorry, who is who is eighth, Remus? Sorry, what was that? Do we oh, are we going down Bart. the entire list here? Bart Omens here. No, oh. but I'm just gonna say, like, right off the bat, if we knew like two or three pe the people can't go, uh, yeah. uh, we'll do that. Who? Otherwise, otherwise, oh. gang, if you can go, and even if you weren't in the top ten. Send me a DM on Twitter at Hustlerama, letting me know that you'd like to go and include your email in it. And if I've got two or three extra pairs, I'll do uh, I'll do my own little wheel of winners and fire them out to you and let you know by DM. So at Hustlerama on Twitter, fire me a DM. I'll uh, get it. And uh, if we do have extra passes for Canadian Club, I'll make sure that some of you are going to the game tomorrow night i'll be there looking forward to seeing you all there very tough choice between the wwe and the bombers uh but this is a big game riders in town i'll have smackdown pvr though and uh i know uh, what, what where, is gregory liverpool here i was thinking about this where do you think greg is going will greg be at the bombers or will he be at the wwe re Will someone be? Will we get a video of someone at SmackDown watching the Bomber game on their phone? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> if, that if someone is a good wants one. to, uh, if someone wants to take a picture of that and send it, I'll put it on our our Instagram feed for sure. Yeah, for sure. And now, what about will some whack job Winnipeg radio announcer take a swing at a WWE superstar and get kicked out of the arena? <laughs> I'm not. I don't know, do you, man. I don't. Do, I don't do think. Do you that's remember what I'm referring to? I know exactly. We were at that event. Yeah, <laughs> that was amazing. I don't know whatever happened to that guy, but uh, it didn't last very long. Um, Greg said he's going to both. That is the man. Greg, how will you be go going to, both? to both? I don't know. They're basically at the same time. They're the same time. Hey, how transit's great. Transit's great at this point. He'll get on that shuttle and uh, get right back there after the game. Um, all right, folks. We do have to get out though, so we can get these podcasts going up. If you want to go to the game. Send me a DM, Hustlerama on Twitter. If I have a few extra pairs, which I think I might, I'll pick a few winners and send them out to you. But if you are one of the top five, they're there for you. Email winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. And otherwise, folks, thanks again. Um, keep an eye on the YouTube channel throughout the week. If you weren't able to catch the whole show, I'm sure we'll crank out maybe some more Jets content with Craig Button, Brandon, and Ken. And we'll be back for a big show on Monday discussing the Dale Howardchuck statue, which is going to be unveiled. Remo and I will be, both be down for that. And, of course, we'll be at the game on Saturday night as well, uh, which I imagine will be a more veteran-laden lineup, somewhat like Tuesday's lineup with uh, most of the top dogs not making the trip to Montreal. Yeah, we're in for the statue. We'll be there. We'll have some pictures and reaction. Might even film a video there. So, yeah, stay tuned to the YouTube. I could post it Saturday night or Sunday if I have time to edit it but if you are subscribed make sure you're hitting the uh, little notification bell uh where is it right here this bell it's gonna come up after they hit subscribe that hit Ding. that one too because we uh, we could have a few more people notify i'll tell you when we uh 
we upload stuff. So uh, we did have the video from yet uh, yesterday's show. You and Marat just going over some guys on the bubble. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. Well, yeah, we're looking forward to the weekend. Us. Yeah, it should be good. I'm looking forward to this game tonight. Hey, there's Fertani. Fertani, let me know if you're going to the game tonight. Fire me a text or the game tomorrow. And potentially go out to watch the game tonight. I'm sure we'll find it. Um, folks, thanks again for being with us. And thanks to our guests. Today was just an awesome show. Rowicki, Eddie Tate, Ken Weeb, Craig Button. Um, lots of content. And if you miss some of it, you can chew on that tomorrow uh, when we're off for Truth and Reconciliation Day. Uh, and again, for everyone that's wondering about these, this is the Wasack crest that the Winnipeg Jets will be wearing on Wasack night. That's the uh, Winnipeg Aboriginal Sport and Achievement Center. And um, these ones were, uh, they were flying out at the uh, pro shop on Tuesday at the game. But um, you can check Jets gear if you're wondering where these were. Uh, for Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much for being with us. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and where they can subscribe to the channel. And we'll, use, we'll see you on Monday with another packed edition of WST. Have a great one, everyone. Oh, my oh, God. Oh! Oh! Shut it down. Oh Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.